From Harry Hurley Way in the world's playground to the broadcast pioneers of Philadelphia Hall of Fame. I want to congratulate my friend, Harry Hurley. You're about to find out why Harry Hurley has been named to the Talkers Magazine list of the 100 most important talk show hosts in the nation. Live from the studios of Town Square Media in Northfield, it's Hurley in the Morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. It is seven minutes past the hour. Welcome to the Hurley in the Morning program. Let me open up with something that i don't know 20 times yesterday i tried to get it in there and uh can't explain why i never did so let's let's open with it joe Girallo, who is the atlanta county clerk you probably didn't even notice this last week at some point i can't remember exactly what day ours arrived but the just like the way it used to be The primary election sample ballots, and I'm sure it's going to be the case for the upcoming general election sample ballots, arrived in plenty of time, gives you the opportunity to review the sample ballot. If there are ever questions on the ballot, to be able to review the question itself, and then there's usually an interpretive statement with it. I noticed that his name didn't look like John Hancock. It looked like it was pretty proportionate uh, to uh, the layout. And I I could be mistaken, but it just looks like a much more efficient ballot. It looks smaller, but it's all there. And it's all in a good font that's readable. Nothing about it I found confusing. Not aware of any mistakes. And I waited a few days after they've been out to hear if there were any mistakes. I know that's one of the things that um, Joe was very committed to because we've been on a string of just small mistakes, big mistakes, obviously some that have involved having entirely new elections and election contest phases. I mean, just stuff you just don't want to have happen. So this is our compliment to Atlanta County Clerk, Joe Girallo, who, number one, is a really good guy, and number two, is a really hard-working public servant. And it's, I think, a case study, and if you put the work in, you're going to get a good result. I, I remember it seems like several election cycles not even getting the primary election ballot, hearing that they... They're lost because it went from one post office to some other post office and the cat had kittens and all these different excuses. All I know is to be on time, you should be early. And to be early, you have to make sure you build in time for any delays that might happen that are beyond your control. So good work. If if Joe is not listening Someone that knows Joe, uh, please tell him that we took a moment to uh, send a shout out. I'll briefly comment and then I'm going to pair it with another item because it's all part of the same type of discussion. I suspect because this doesn't meet the narrative that the Democrat media loves to beat the drum and never let it go. I think this is going to come and go without a lot of fanfare. But it qualifies as a mass shooting because four people were killed and they weren't related, I believe. There may have been 
some kind of relationship professionally or otherwise, but not family relatives killing one another and killing themselves. So by definition, four people inside a medical building in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and the shooter killed himself. That qualifies by definition, strict definition, as a mass shooting. But it's not going to fit the narrative. I'm not getting into it, but it's not going to fit the narrative. So this is not going to be uh, like what the media loves to do when they can make it what they want it to be. This I'm not in favor of. Look, I feel terrible. I'm sure that everything from injuries to PTSD and all kinds of issues absolutely are very, very real. And then I would say seek your damages and so on and so forth in the different venues that are appropriate. But I don't believe in suing the gun maker. Just like if somebody beats someone to death with a toaster, what do you do? Do you do you sue the company that made the toaster? And if someone beats someone to death or to significant injury with a baseball bat, do you do you sue the baseball bat company? And if someone stabs someone with a steak knife, a steak knife, do you sue the steak knives company? So I'm not in favor. And I think somebody pulled this off one time in American history, suing the gun manufacturer. Look, I understand how divisive this is, but the Second Amendment is a right. It's not a privilege. If you're Glock Inc. or any other company, you have the right to make your product that people want to buy. And it's a bad idea. You shouldn't. It's not the fault of the inanimate object. It's tragic. But you can't blame the gun. Forty-some years ago, President Reagan said, let's stop blaming basically the object and blame the individual. So I'm not in favor of this. And if we start seeing lawful companies that sell a lawful product that's constitutionally protected, and if they can be sued and, and, and lose and actually have a verdict against them, then that's a slippery slope towards a dystopian existence that we don't want. If you choked on a piece of steak, do you sue the steak company? If, if uh, a beverage went down your windpipe, your epiglottis didn't cover over and, and it went down your, your windpipe, do you get to sue Coca-Cola or, or Poland spring water? Come on. I think a reasonable examination of reality shows and, – and See, what I try to do, I try to get outside of the politics of it. Look, we had a jury verdict that I wrote 
what I thought was one of the most accurate descriptions of what happened anywhere in America. Total BS jury verdict. Is this the kind of country we want to have? That if you're in Washington, D.C., you get jurors that actually, after they make the verdict, come out and say, there's more important things in this country than than this charge. Oh, really? So the fact that there was a criminal charge and it was your job to be an impartial juror, you decided that because there's more important things in the country, like maybe hate Trump 24-7, you'll nullify the evidence. This is really bad what's going on. So, I, and I say this, I, I have no doubt that this Brooklyn resident, Eileen Stur, I have no doubt that she went through hell. And it's a shame. But when Frank James reportedly, because it's still pending, he's charged, it seems apparent, but allegedly, reportedly, injured about 30 people with a Glock pistol. The Glock was legal. He legally purchased it. So I don't think you can blame the gun. You can you can be heartbroken and you can despise guns and you have the right not to have one. But everybody else also has the right to have one. And if this kind of thing starts happening, I don't know how you separate the difference between the gun and and a stone that you found outside of somebody's house and threw it in somebody's eye and you killed them. Sue the rock. Sue the bat. Sue the brick. There's no end to it. There's certain things that can't begin Because if they begin, there's no end. And this is one of them. You know, cases have been brought up many, many times over the years. We've covered a lot of them, and they never succeeded. Last year or the year before or the year before that, sometime in the last couple of years, somebody won. They sued a gun manufacturer and actually won. And I remember saying, ooh, this is bad. Because, of course, it will mean more people will will be doing it. And then once this becomes acceptable, it's a total mess. So I know she was critically wounded. I know it's terrible, but we, we, we can't start changing everything. I mean, California, I could go over one after the other after other of these things that they're doing right now including they have some 500-page report. You know they're going to be paying reparations in California. And you know what happens. It starts there. All the crazy stuff starts there. There's not a penny ever that should be paid out. There's no one alive today that deserves reparations for something that someone else did hundreds of years ago or 100 years ago. This country is... Undoubtedly, 
equal opportunity for all, equal results not guaranteed. If you work harder than I do, you deserve your success. That's the way it should be. And that's the way that it is. Until, of course, the radicals get away with changing it. We'll be back. Fox News commentary. I'm Jimmy Fallon, and I'll tell you why Joe Biden is the worst wingman ever. Next. If you're in the market for a new home or your dream home, go with a lender you can count on for competitive rates. Over 300 loan products and thousands of loan consultants to help make sure you get the home and the mortgage that you want. Call now to see if you're pre-approved. 866-888-LOAN. 866-888-LOAN. Or go to LoanDepot.com. Loan Depot, where home means everything. Rates are subject to change. Equal housing opportunity lender. NMLS number 174457. Licensed in all 50 states. Joe Biden's Department of Justice is appealing a judge's decision to strike down the federal mask mandate on airlines, which means we could all be wearing masks on planes any day now. Forgive me for saying so, but this is not going to fly. Earth to Biden. Nobody wants to wear a mask on planes. So if you're going to bring them back, why not propose a bill to increase baggage fees and shrink the legroom while you're at it, too? Dozens of airline CEOs have urged the White House to kill this mandate because their filters block COVID. And Biden might be dumb enough to think masks block COVID, too, but they definitely don't block you from getting punched in the head when someone flips out on a flight attendant. Folks, the Federal Aviation Administration has recorded over 700 mask-related fights this year alone. Seriously, there have been so many brawls, you could make a movie called Flight Club about people who fly coach just to get in fights. But I'll stop talking about Flight Club because the first rule of Flight Club is you don't talk about Flight Club. And if Biden was smart, he wouldn't talk about mask mandates ever again either. I'm Jimmy Fallon. From the world's playground, this is Hurley in the Morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Thank you. 25 minutes past the hour. Let me do it. It's not obligatory. I do want to comment on it. For just a moment, I didn't watch much of the trial, but I will say I watched some of the trial and I I said this quite a while ago. I found Johnny Depp fascinating during the trial. He exhibited when some of the worst things you would ever, never once said about you in private were said about him publicly. He was completely unflappable. I mean, he I don't know his story. You know, I read I read what I read. And, you know, a lot of it is not my cup of tea, drugs and booze and all this. But this guy in court and then right to the end, he wasn't even there, wasn't even there. It's like I'll be there every day. But once the verdict's coming in, I'm not even going to be there. I mean, right to the end. Here's what I knew. As the evidence came out, and it just seemed to me that that Johnny Depp's attorneys were much better than Amber Heard's. Now, in fairness, I mean, part of what she had to overcome was, I know, and this is disgusting, but she literally pooped in his bed. I mean, that just alone is just creepy, skeevy. So she was not popular with the jurors, you could tell. The other thing is the the coverage of this verdict was all over the place. Some made it seem as though only Johnny Depp won. Some made it seem like it was a split libel verdict, which I guess that is 
more accurate than a lot of the reporting that has been going on. And some even made it seem like she won, which that's just completely just hooey. Depp won $15 million. He was asking for 50. She countersued for 100 million and Amber Heard got 2 million. But I'm going to say it's a total Johnny Depp Johnny Depp verdict win because the 2 million that Amber Heard got was from something that Johnny Depp's attorney said. The media is not telling you that. It's not anything that he said or did. So he wins, she loses, and let's see what's going to happen. Does she get canceled? Because a lot of the evidence that came out was her beating him up. A lot of times you think about this kind of thing and that it's only men hitting women. Now, I think that's predominantly the vast majority, but there's a significant portion of situations where women actually abuse men, hit them, verbally abuse them, I guess poop in their bed. Who does that? Jack Cittarelli, you hear? Who does that? Amber Heard does that. That's who. And I have to say, I can't look at her uh, the same. Look, I was never a fan. But somebody that does something like that, That's just, it's gross. And it's your bed too. Pooping in your bed. I mean, a dog wouldn't do that. I could be mistaken, but I think dogs make it a point to not poop where they sleep. They go somewhere else. So the jury on every single charge found for Johnny Depp. But the $2 million that Amber Heard received in the verdict was from something that Johnny Depp's attorney said that the jury believed uh, defamed Amber Heard. She came out with some, I'm disappointed in what this verdict means for other women. It's a setback. Uh -uh, uh Uh-uh, uh-uh. You're a setback. You're creepy. And disgusting. Possibly stanky. I mean, who does that, Jack Cittarelli? Who does that? It's terrible. Honestly, I I think the the, the poop defense or the poop uh, allegation, not even allegation, seems to be, uh, I, I, I think she copped to it. I think it was established. But if you're a juror, you're thinking, wow. This woman's just a just a, a, a pig. I mean, like animal. So you start to maybe just be open to everything that's said. So the jury found in Depp's favor on all three of his claims. They believed it all that her column that she wrote for the Washington Post was about Johnny Depp. Remember, we've told you this many, many times over the past 30, almost 31 years now, July 1st. We've told you that if you say something or write something 
that really just shows that you're speaking about one person. You don't have to say their name. I mean, if you said an Atlantic City-based talk show host who has an identical twin brother, and then you went on to say something about me that I could prove you libeled me or slandered me, you don't have to say my name. Because a jury would, or I believe a judge, would say, this is who you were speaking about. You didn't say their name, but you wanted everyone to know exactly who it was. And you don't win for being cutesy. You said it's the equivalent of you saying the person's name. And it's that simple. They found on all three of his claims involving the statements of a 2018 article, or I should say op-ed piece that she wrote, and Johnny Depp received a jury award verdict of $10 million in punitive damages and $5 million in compensatory damages. And I have to say, I think a lot of people expected maybe no one would recover, but look, Disney, Candom, there was a major Pirates of the Caribbean installment that he won't be a part of. He would have made, a lot, I think, a lot more than $5 million because, remember, punitive damages are damages that the person who has them assessed, you are being punished. It's to stop that kind of conduct from happening again. The compensatory damages... I think the verdict is light because look at the amount of money that he would typically make per film. Five million dollars to quote Ralph Cramden. Peanuts, peanuts. What am I going to do with peanuts? Eat them like every other elephant. That was uh, Alice's retort. So I, I mean, it sounds crazy, but I, I think Amber Heard got off easy because I think the jury probably felt, ah, oh, you know, this is two rich people. It's very distasteful. The whole thing is terrible. And, you know, he's, he's, they, they assume, even though evidently he's not been very good with his money, they assume he's super rich. And, and I think he got a light verdict. Sounds crazy because you had the media saying, oh, the jury would never leave that box empty, uh, so they must mean to give him zero. I'll tell you, our media is in this country is so bad, and they're at their worst in real time. When something is going on at the moment, they are spectacularly wrong about everything. So not only was the it, was it that the jury didn't forget. To put they did they did fail to put they should have had the amount that they were awarding in there punitive and compensatory damages, but because there was nothing, the assumption was that the jury was giving nothing. Well, it didn't turn out that way. Look, I don't know that Depp got his uh, reputation back because this was really bad stuff all the way around. It was a freak show, but he definitely comes out the winner. And I'll make a prediction. Amber Heard, who I don't think very much of, I don't think she's a good actress. I don't think much of her at all. She's attractive um, and not even as attractive as she used to be. But my prediction 
to quote Apollo Creed, or no, no, it would be quoting Clubber Lang, prediction, prediction, pain. That's not quite my prediction, but here's my prediction. Within 24 hours, give me a range, to two weeks, I think it'll be less than that. But I want a little bit of budge room here as I emote my inner pocket Kreskin. Amber Heard will be bagged from what would have been a very lucrative upcoming installment of Aquaman. So if that occurs, and I think it's going to occur, based on how our country is going right now, and when you are found responsible for this kind of conduct, you typically get canceled. So that will be the first sign that Amber Heard's brand is, well, is it in the in the poopy? Can you say that? That's my prediction. We'll see. And I don't think we'll have to wait long. Back in a few. I'm Hurley in the morning. This is WPG Talk Radio 95.5. South Jersey's number one talk station. Remember, open forum all next hour. But each break, we're going to give away two pairs of tickets. So I'm going to have to clear the phone lines going into each break. Then you just come back after we um, give away the two pairs of tickets. Each break, we'll give away two pairs of tickets by the end of the next hour. 12 early in the morning guest listeners will be going to Resorts Casino Hotel tomorrow night to enjoy Tower of Power. And I'll talk more about them. But Tower of Power is an American R&B and funk-based band and horn section. They originated out of California. They've been performing since 1968. It's going to be a great show. They've had a number of songs, at least eight, on the Billboard Top 100 Hot 100, and uh, you're going to enjoy it. So it's our pleasure, and we thank Resorts Casino Hotel Atlantic City for the partnership. We'll be back. This is the Town Square, New Jersey Info and Weather Network. Harry Hurley with three stories that you can follow on our WPG Talk Radio 95.5 app. Dangerous debris remains. I revisit a story that we broke two months ago yesterday. Uh, it's just as bad as it was then in Atlantic City Public School with dangerous debris all around it. The Atlantic City mayor and the others uh, are allegedly set to be arraigned. We have that story. That's Marty Small at all. And an Atlantic City Board of Education member says the superintendent is giving illegal time off. From the Town Square, New Jersey Info and Weather Network, I'm Chief Meteorologist Dan Zarrow. 24 hours from now, our weather will turn beautiful through the weekend, but we have some powerful thunderstorms to get through first. Warm and humid today, high temperature 80 degrees, with mostly to partly cloudy skies. Soaking gusty thunderstorms will come into play late this afternoon. Those thunderstorms continue this evening. Showers may linger past midnight, low 66. Clearing the sunshine tomorrow, high of 78. Get weather 24-7 wherever you are. Download our free mobile app today. The ShopRite. Early in the morning, WPG Talk Radio 95.5 FM and 1450 AM. Hey, Sean Hannity here. Join me this afternoon at 3. Now back to Harry Hurley on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. 
Wow, look at this clock. 43 minutes past the hour. We are just flying by here in uh, hour number one. I'm a huge fan of Rick Grinnell. I've said that to you on many occasions. He's former President Trump's acting director of national intelligence. He was tremendous in the job. He brought out a lot of wrongdoing that was going on. The Democrats hated him for it. Uh, He came out. He talked about the decision in Washington, D.C. He had a great quote, very similar to um, the item that I wrote on my Facebook page not long after the decision was reached. And it was easy for me because I knew that all these people were on the jury and I knew the way the decision was going to go. The only thing I didn't know would be could he get a flat out acquittal Sussman or would it be a hung jury? And we know what happened. Rick Grinnell said, quote, we live in a country where no one is above the law and this political partisanship that's going on in Washington, D.C., where three Clinton donors and an AOC donor all get together with the judge who's married to someone who represented Lisa Page somehow tries to tell he forgot he forgot the daughter, the other juror with a daughter that plays on the same sports team as Sussman's daughter. It's even worse than Rick Grinnell said. But, quote, they know that it's phony and we've got to clean it up. So I'm not going to stop until we prosecute Jim Comey. I think he's guilty. I've seen the evidence and he needs to be prosecuted. But always remember, and a long, long time friend of mine wrote on my Facebook page about an hour or two ago that while the verdict was not what it should have been, so many very important things were publicly exposed. That Hillary Clinton was behind it all, that her campaign did these things. I mean, sometimes you don't get what's the song? You don't get what you want. You get what you need. You sometimes don't get what you want. But I'll tell you what. Absent a guilty verdict, which which truly I don't think there's any question that Sussman was guilty. I wish I would have been on the jury because at least it would have been a hung jury because I you I would have spent the rest of my life. I would have never left. I don't care. Twelve angry men. You could bring back uh, Henry Fonda, Jack Klugman, bring them all back. Uh, I will never leave this room saying that somebody is not guilty that I know. That the evidence shows otherwise. Hung jury would have been better than this acquittal. But it really is a statement of our country. Uh, Look at the Flynn judge who was basically a part of the Democrat operation. Then you look at this judge that limited in so many ways what John Durham was able to do in the case. Wouldn't let him put on the case that he wanted to put on. Made it very, very narrow. You have to be able to prove this tiny little sliver, and that's it. Nothing else. So Rick Grinnell, anytime you see him doing what they call a hit, some type of interview, watch him. Because don't forget, as the acting director of national intelligence, 
he has seen things that I, I want to say most of us, all of us, will never, ever see. He's seen it all. And he knows what he saw. I think James Comey is very fortunate that the whole game is rigged for Democrats right now because he absolutely should be prosecuted for what he did. Remember, he leaked he leaked confidential classified information and got caught, admitted he did it, but he justified it by saying that he wanted the appointment of an independent counsel. How can he not be charged for what he did? Back in just a few. This is WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Set the first button on your car radio for South Jersey's talk station. WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Thanks for waking up early in the morning at 53 minutes past the hour. Just a quick reset coming up in just a few minutes. Wide open forum for the entire 7 o'clock hour. And then as we go to the 17.15-ish break and then the 7.30 break and the 7.45-ish break, we're going to give away two pair of tickets to Tower of Power. Thank you, Resorts Casino Hotel, for your partnership. Resorts Casino Hotel Atlantic City, the official and exclusive casino hotel for the Hurley in the Morning program. And if you're not one of the lucky 12... Six pairs times two, you know, six times two. Uh, You can get your tickets at Ticketmaster.com. They've been around since 1968. I love the, um, the bands, and they've got the horn section and everything, but I love the bands that have the longevity. And there's something about music. Go read up on it. Musicians, conductors, People that do what they love to do seem to live longer. Think about how many long, terrific lives have been led. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I love guest guest listener appreciation moments. And I appreciate the opportunity to work with Resorts Casino Hotel Atlantic City on this. Nancy Pelosi says that uh, the House will be considering an assault weapons ban soon because keep in mind, they know they're done. She's finished. They're finished. And they're going to try to get as much done as possible. And I I will make a prediction. I don't think it'll get through the Senate anything that they do. But after they get whooped on November 8th, where do you see the radical things that they race to the floor. All the stuff they wouldn't even think about putting up this year when they want to fake that they're not as socialist, kook, liberal nuts as they are. They try to fool you for the election season. Remember, Joe Biden did not campaign as AOC. He kept saying, I'm a moderate Democrat. I'm a moderate Democrat. Well, there's been nothing moderate about his failed presidency, that's for sure. And what you always have to guard against, everything Democrats do is false billing. It's not as advertised. If you could take them to the Better Business Bureau, they would have big problems. 
whether it's Affordable Care Act, which was anything but, or all these other names that they come up with. They're always exact opposite. So assault weapons ban, they're they're never talking assault weapons. Joe Biden yesterday, and there should be a lot more hell to pay for it. But not many people are talking about it. Tucker Carlson did last night and a few other people. Joe Biden did his whole case on nine millimeter weapons. Nine millimeter ammunition is the most popular in America. He said we don't need it. He's deciding that we don't need it. Well, you don't get to say what we need and we don't need. In matters such as this. But he doesn't even know which ends up. And he's talking like that. Yeah, yeah, we don't need nine millimeter weapons. I wonder how close you've been following, because I know it comes to a point where there's just so much and it's very painful and you can only take so much of it. And I'm no different. But I've been very concerned about this police chief that keeps saying he's not refusing to answer questions, but yet he keeps refusing to answer questions. It's, it's, it's almost like he's Joe Biden. Look, if you're the one that was in charge of the law enforcement response at last week's shooting in Uvalde, Texas, where 19 children and two adult teachers died, you've got explaining to do. And you know, I am, I am pro-law enforcement. I never jump out fast and condemn law enforcement, but I, 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 can't, I can't defend that they allowed all these people to be killed and they, they didn't do their job. I saw a video and I think I heard what I think I heard and saw where a mother repeated, you couldn't really hear the officer, but the mother repeated, you're afraid to be killed? And then there was other discussion, and it seems as though someone had admitted, basically, they didn't go in because they didn't want to get killed. And I don't blame them for not wanting to get killed. But that's their job. And I'll tell you, from Mike Heath to Don Hurley to all the cops I know, retired and working now, they could never do that. If you have kids screaming in in a building, they're going in. They're going in. They're not going to stay outside. Then this poor little girl called uh, the police and she got told, go run and scream. She ran and screamed and got shot dead. Terrible. And this guy, I understand he's concerned about his own life, but uh, you got to answer questions, pal. Open forum begins right now. WPGG Atlantic City, WENJHD3 Millville, a Town Square media station. Everything you need to know in six minutes starts now. From Harry Hurley Way in the world's playground. 
to the broadcast pioneers of Philadelphia Hall of Fame. I want to congratulate my friend, Harry Hurley. You're about to find out why Harry Hurley has been named to the Talkers Magazine list of the 100 most important talk show hosts in the nation. Live from the studios of Town Square Media in Northfield, it's Hurley in the Morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. It is seven minutes past the hour. Thanks for waking up early in the morning. I haven't had a chance to comment on this, so I want to do it very briefly. Then we'll go to your calls at 609-407-1450. And a reminder, this hour, before the clock strikes 8, we will have given away six tickets. I'm sorry, six pairs of tickets to Tower of Power, appearing tomorrow night, 9 p.m., Resorts Casino Hotel in Atlantic City. The uh, Your tickets will be waiting for you at the will call window. But we'll get into all that um, when we go into our first break. John Hinckley. This was a pocket Kreskin prediction that I made basically at the very beginning of my broadcasting career. Because although things have really gotten very, very bad uh, and that the Democrats and the socialist horrific agenda – is is just on on steroids on at warp speed now we saw all these things happening and we pointed them out to you every step of the way i remember vividly my first decade as a broadcaster i know there were so many people that had just did not believe a single word i was saying that textbooks are being rewritten that there is this indoctrination we would say these things and i i knew what it was the public wasn't ready for the truth. They didn't see it. They didn't believe it when they heard it. And I understood it. I didn't take it personal. Because I know that the four stages of the truth can be very torturous. But I made a prediction more than 30 years ago that John Hinckley would be a free man. And there's no society in the world where if somebody shot the leader of a country that they would ever, ever be free again. So that you know how they do it. Everything the socialist Democrats do, it's the playbook. It's it's incremental. Now they're they're changing that a little bit. Now they're just punching you in the face. And they're not doing it a little bit at a time. You know the fro- the the frog in the pot. The the water's Oh, it's a little cool. Oh, this is beautiful. This is perfect now. Hey, what's going on? And then all of a sudden, you know, the frog is boiled in the pot. They do it incrementally. They did it indoctrinating students. They've done it in so many ways. Now, let's just for a moment review John Hinckley. And again, 609-407-1450. It's the only open forum we have today, this entire hour. So please take full advantage of it. We've got John Zarek at 8. We have a great doctor from Deborah Heart and Lung Center, a cardiac electrophysiologist, and an important topic that we're going to be doing. And then we have Miss Central Jersey, Grace Mositis, joining us. And I'm going to say the last time I saw Grace Mositis was right near my broadcast booth at the Atlantic City Air Show when she did a beautiful job singing the national anthem right before Tony Orlando took to the stage. And she was fantastic. And she's done it at professional sporting events 
and uh, no surprise uh, that she is and will continue to be a great success. So we're looking forward to that. And that's a pageant qualifier. So if you are Miss Central Jersey, you will be in Miss New Jersey. So it's going to be very exciting. That's how we're going to close out today's program. So this is it for Open Forum. Make it count, 609-407-1450. But a brief John Hinckley lesson. John Hinckley was in, he was in whatever psychiatric hospital, whatever they call it, detention. Then we start hearing about how well he's doing and that he may be released for supervised like weekend type things. And I thought, oh, this is this is fantastic. He basically was like a millimeter away from killing the president of the United States. uh, But he should have, you know, uh, special weekends at home with his mom. And I was opposed to that. Look, if you say someone is guilty by reason of, you know, medical and whatever insanity, by reason of insanity, then that that's not like a get out of jail free. You're going to get a different incarceration because it's considered medical and not criminal. But I remember saying he'll get out. It'll take time, but he'll get out. So he got his supervised visits. Then he got unsupervised visits. Then he got released with supervision. And now I think on June 15th is the date. He will be a free man, granted full freedom, no supervision, no nothing. A man that shot and nearly killed the president of the United States, Ronald Reagan, for some reason, I'll never forget it. I was home that day. I had a, I had an eating table in front of me. And I was watching ABC. And I remember vividly, Reagan walks out of a building. I forget the name of the building. Famous building. But he was giving a speech or something. He walks out of the building. And then all hell broke loose. And you saw people down on the ground and a puddle of blood and horrible stuff. And then everything that unfolded at that point. And he was shooting devastator bullets. So President Reagan, the bullet itself, any bullet almost killed Reagan by such a just a tiny fraction. Millimeters we're talking. But it being a devastator bullet, had that gone off inside before the doctors could remove it, he would have been gone. So Hinckley, who shot Reagan in 1981, granted full freedom in 2022. And this troubled time that we live in is really the only, only time that this result could be possible. Isn't that incredible? I don't care what your politics is or isn't. Just, sorry, you don't get to shoot the president and then you get Full freedom it just shouldn't work that way. And I, I just hope and pray that he's not unwell and that he does something. I'm sure, look, they say he's, you know, uh, has total freedom. If you don't think that someone is going to be keeping an eye on him, even if it's not official and if it's officially released, He'll he'll be on some kind of double secret probation, super duper Uber watch list. 
But this would be terrible if he were to reoffend. He's 67. You know, that's not ancient. If this has been a plan to just pass every test and be on good behavior and get to this point and then potentially reoffend, would not be would not be uh, a terrible thing. All right, here's what we're going to do. I have to clear the lines. This is going to be this is going to be a tough open forum hour because at each break I'm clearing the phone lines. Now, I'll tell you what I'll do. It's very simple. I clear the lines and then immediately you don't have to be a caller when we come back after the break. The only folks that I want to call in for the next few minutes would be if you would like a pair of tickets to Tower of Power for tomorrow night. Sometimes we give you a lot of advance notice. This is tomorrow night. So only take the tickets, please. There's so many listeners that will want to go. Don't take them on a on a hunch that you might. I'll just take them. And if I don't want to go, I'll just blow them off. We have a great record of our people showing up. And I'm going to be honest with you. I find out if you don't show up. I mean, I'm not, it's not an off-putting comment. It's just, it's not, it's not, it's rude. It's not polite to accept something. Don't accept kindness and then disrespect. That's not a good thing. So I only want you to call if you promise me that you're going to go to the show. So I'm clearing the phone lines. Kevin, call back right, give me three or four minutes and call back because you are the next caller. But I've got to free up the lines to make it even for everybody. All right, 609-407-1450. 609-407-1450. Call me right now if you'd like to go tomorrow night to Resorts Casino Hotel in Atlantic City for Tower of Power. Only call if you're going to the show. I got somebody that's out of the area that, that, that called right back in. Stop it already. I got somebody like listening to the program from somewhere else. Don't don't take up phone lines. 609. It calls back again. 609-407-1450. We'll be right back. As always, please do not try this at home. Turn up your radio. Here's the Sean Hannity Morning Minute. This is not exactly when you hear Amber Heard admitting, well, I didn't punch you. I just slapped you. Listen. I did not punch you. I did not deck you. I hitting you. I don't know what the motion of my actual hand was, but you're fine. I did not hurt you. I did not punch you. I was hitting you. How are you? What am I supposed to do? Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't punch you. I was just hitting you. No big deal. Now, I would advise any guy in any situation like that, if that's happening to you, get out as fast as you can. Don't walk. Run to the nearest exit and leave that environment right away. Get the hell out of there. Check out the Sean Hannity Radio Show later today, right here. If your family depends on your income and something happened to you, what would happen to them? You need life insurance, and SelectQuote can help you get it at a price you can afford. SelectQuote found Jacob, 40, who's in excellent health, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for only $19 a month. Not in perfect health? 
Don't worry. SelectQuote found Tanya, 40, who has type 2 diabetes, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for only $32 a month. We shop companies like Protective, Prudential, American General, and others to find you the company with the best rates. Give your family the security they need at a price you can afford. For your free quote, call 1-800-350-8989. That's 1-800-350-8989. Or go to selectquote.com. That's 1-800-350-8989. SelectQuote. We shop, you save. Get full details on the example policies at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your premium could vary depending on your health, issuing company, and other factors. Not available in all states. Hi, it's Mark Levin. Join me this evening at 6. Now back to Harry Hurley on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Thank you very much. Great one. I am Harry Hurley. This is WPG Talk Radio 95.5, South Jersey's number one talk station, all because of you. And we know it and we thank you for it. And let me take this opportunity to thank Resorts Casino Hotel Atlantic City for the wonderful opportunity to partner with them. Uh, Tower of Power which is an iconic American R&B and funk bass band. They have a very cool vibe. They've got the great horn section. They are terrific. And they've been at it since 1968. They will be at Resorts Casino Hotel tomorrow night, 9 p.m. And here are our first two winners. Diane, I want you to get back. Uh, I know Diane called in several times. You would have been one of the first two callers. And I had Diane and I was about to take her name down, and the the line disconnected. So, Diane, we're going to be giving away an additional two pairs of tickets in about six or seven minutes. And we're going to give away two more pairs of tickets at 45 minutes past the hour. But thank you, Resorts Casino Hotel. Thank you for the opportunity to partner with Tower of Power. To all of our winners, simply go to Resorts Casino Hotel, to the will call window, bring photo ID, I always tell folks, get there early. Show's at 9, but I know how I would be. You want to just get there, make sure you leave time to get your tickets and get seated in the showroom and just have a great time. Again, we're giving away four more pairs of tickets before the end of this hour, before the clock strikes 8 on the Hurley in the Morning program on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Open forum continues. At 609-407-1450. Kevin, welcome to Hurley in the Morning. You are on the air, my friend. Hey, thanks, Harry. Two very quick points. Uh, They're very good points, I think. The first one is we really want to try to steer clear of the fabricated word assault weapon because that was fabricated by a... Uh, on the on the left, and we've got and Kevin. I think you'll agree that was my whole monologue. They lie about even what they call it. Absolutely agree. Yeah, yes, one hundred percent. And I have a solution for the school shootings. One of the things that I did in Florida was I had a chance to work with the fifth largest the fifth largest uh, sheriff's office in the country. And what they do is they go around and they they learn best practices from other sheriff's departments. And a quick solution for us is what they did. Very simple. We take one police officer from the sheriff's department and we put them in the schools. And now we have an opportunity to fund the people who already know how to responsibly handle the firearm. And we simply increase the amount of sheriff's office, uh, you know, LEOs that we have while we're also putting them in the school. You put one deputy, one uniformed police officer in that school, you won't be having these problems. And everybody wins. I like that a lot. And we've heard so many things. Uh, I've had retired police officers call me. They would be happy to go 
and do this type of assignment to become a, a police liaison uh, and, and, of course, be armed. This notion in some communities, Kevin, where they have uh, unarmed people. I mean, give me a break. What does an unarmed person have? What what possible effectiveness would they have against somebody that has come to shoot as many people as they can? Zero. Yeah. And one of the things that we saw was we saw what happened uh, out in Texas. Uh, the guy who was getting a haircut ran across the street. He ran past 15 cops, got his wife and kid out, went back in past 15 cops and shot the guy. Yeah. So, and there's and Kevin, there's another great story uh, in Uvalde, Texas. A mom was exasperated by law enforcement standing there. I, and look, you, I think you know me. I'm I am I'm a, a Silver Life member, PBA, Atlantic City PBA. I I, I will take second chair to no one in in broadcasting, uh, and certainly in New Jersey, uh, in terms of supporting law enforcement. I can't wrap my head around nineteen police officers not going in and taking this guy down. I can't. I can't understand. So it. think about absolutely. So think about this. In two instances in the country, this happened where the police officers they they staged out front. They never went in. If a police officer is already in the building, problem solved. Yeah, but also too, and I know John Zarek is going to talk about this in about thirty five minutes. There's got to be a protocol. There's got to be a standard that you don't wait outside. And and it just seems as though, and I know some of this is still fog of war and sketchy, and maybe some of it's slightly inaccurate or you know mostly inaccurate. Who knows? But there's enough disturbing stuff going on that a elaborate amount of time, exorbitant amount of time went by, and more lives. I think it's very clear more lives could have been saved. That's right. And the last thing I want to say is we the easy, simple deterrent is this. We did this for police officers in Florida. We gave them a car that was just sitting in the parking lot that was extra inventory to keep at their house because it gave us the appearance of more of a police presence. We should park one police unit in front of every school. That guy's walking in that school seeing a cop car sitting there. There's no way he's going to walk in that school and do it unless he's just looking to kill himself. And let me ask you one other thing before we go to the bottom of the hour break. Just like the movie theater wherever that was, Aurora, or wherever that was, there are all these different movie theaters. The shooter picked the one that was in a gun-free school zone. We have to adjust this whole gun-free school zone thing. I, I, I like the concept that there are heavy penalties if a bad person does something within a, a school zone. I, I get the the altruistic concept behind it, but really all that it does, it's it's like the Obama policy, if you remember, when the Marines had to check in their, their weapons when they went inside to, to their mess hall area. That's never been done in American history. And then, of course, Major Hassan shot the place up because he knew he was the only guy that would have a gun. So we've got to clean that up. I don't know exactly how to do it, but generally speaking, we have to do something about that because the bad guys are going to areas that they know that they're going to be the only armed person. Here's the answer, Harry. Very simple solution, okay? Take that sign and leave it up there, but here's what it says. It says, if you come onto this property with a firearm with uh, with misintent or malintent, you'll be met with lethal force. Well, I love that. I mean, there's I forget the guy's name, but he's uh, involved in this Uvalde situation, 
and they keep bringing him on and he keeps saying, hey, if you come to my area, we are going to fill you with holes. Uh, he's just saying we're going to shoot you dead. These are his words. Uh, and I don't care what people say that that's not a deterrent. They're not going to places like that. They're going to places that are the exact opposite of that. Yeah, absolutely. Do you know why as a pilot I don't fly through TFRs, temporary flight restrictions? Because it says in the TFR we will be met with deadly force and be shot down. There you go. Yeah, not a good shortcut Very to simple. take. No, it's not. Have a great day. Thank you, Kevin. See ya. 609-407-1450. All right, what I need to do again, I'm clearing the phone lines. Come back. I know you're in open forum, and so are we, but I'm clearing the phone lines. Come back. Give me about four minutes or so. We're going to take two more winners. And then we'll take two more winners during the next break. Right now, we are partnering with Resorts Casino Hotel Atlantic City on the Hurley in the Morning program on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. There is a wonderful concert tomorrow in the iconic Superstar Theater, Tower of Power. Uh, They've been putting out great music since 1968. An American R&B and funk-based sound with a cool horn section, great vibe, great lead vocalists. It's going to be a wonderful show. And all you have to do is promise me that you're going to go because it's tomorrow night. You're going to know if you can make it right now. It's not like you have to decide in a week or two. Promise me you're going to go because we have so many guest listeners and I know would love to have that pair of tickets. And we have a great track record of all early in the morning winners showing up because you show respect. And I thank you for that. Thank you, Resorts. Resorts Casino Hotel Atlantic City for the partnership. It's Tower of Power, 9 p.m. tomorrow. If you're not one of our lucky 12 winners, tickets are available right now at Ticketmaster.com. So if you would like a pair of tickets, call me right now at 609-407-1450. That's 609 407-1450. This is the Town Square, New Jersey Info and Weather Network. It's Harry Hurley at 32 minutes past the hour with three stories that you can follow on our WPG Talk Radio 95.5 app. Dangerous debris remains at an Atlantic City public school. We have the story. It's a follow-up from our initial investigative report of two months ago. It's just as bad as it was then. Uh, Atlantic City Mayor and others apparently are set to be arraigned. We have that story. And an Atlantic City Board of Education member, John Devlin, says that the superintendent of schools is giving illegal time off. Call me now. 609-407-1450. From the Townsquare, New Jersey Info and Weather Network, I'm Chief Meteorologist Dan Zarrow. You might squeeze out some beach time today. Look for mostly to partly cloudy skies and a high temperature around 80 degrees. But watch the sky for some noisy thunderstorms, probably starting around late afternoon or early evening, let's say 5 o'clock, give or take. Showers may linger past midnight tonight, still a bit sticky with a low of 66. Clearing the sunshine tomorrow, high temperature 78. Get weather 24-7 wherever you are. Download our free mobile app today. Hey! Early in the morning, WPG Talk Radio 95.5 and on the WPG Talk Radio app. Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins this afternoon at 1. Now, Harry Hurley on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Thank you. Welcome back. It's 39 minutes past the hour. I've been following this story, and it's like a quiet type of situation because you've got the Uvalde school police chief, 
who won a seat on the city council. And it just so happens that this all happened right before he was due to take his seat on city council. And there were some that had some things to say about it all, but he did win. And, you know, I mean, lawfully, he's he's entitled to take the seat. Uh, I'm not prejudging or anything, but you have so much pain. And then as people find out that there were excruciating delays uh, as this killer continued to, to do what he was doing when law enforcement, it, it appears that they weren't doing what they should be doing. And again, if their protocol is, for whatever reason, if your protocol is to not go inside and to stay outside for 45 minutes or whatever is being reported, then guess what? We need a whole review of all these policies and procedures because that's pretty stupid. And just so many, many heartbreaking things. I'll tell you, I come back to that mom. That mom had it. They weren't going in. She went in. I don't think I finished my thought in the last segment. She went in. She got in through. I always say this. Never, ever mess with mom. Just trust me on that. If you don't subscribe to that theory, you're not breathing. You don't mess with mom. Moms will tear apart lions and tigers and bears. They'll they'll get through anything. Now, they couldn't get in, but that mom got in. Not only did she get in, she got her two kids out. We should be voting for that mom to be on city council. And not necessarily whatever the guy's name is, uh, Stephen McCraw or whatever his name is. I mean, I, again, I don't want to rush to judgment. I've been I've been holding back. But everything that I have learned tells me that that law enforcement really screwed up here. And again, if these are your policies, I don't know, you know, for example, Princess Diana should still be alive. But in the United Kingdom, they have some goofy ass thing where they stabilize people on the scene. They keep you there to basically you can die on the scene. If she had the same crash in America, I have no doubt in my mind she would be alive today. She would have had bad injuries, but they kept her on the scene. I don't remember now. It's just been too long, but I remember uh, editorializing about it back then. I woke up. I think it was a Sunday. I know it was the weekend. I woke up to that and just was it was such a sad moment because obviously she was – I don't think Prince Charles is a, is a great guy, but she was fantastic and I swear, I, I, I swear the queen just refuses to retire because I don't think she wants Charles to be the king. I think she wants William to be the next king of, of England. Uh, he's a good man. William, for what I gather, appears to be a good man. Harry, you got a great name, Harry, but uh, not so much. But 70 years, platinum jubilee. I don't think they'll ever be. Think about it. I don't think there will ever be a world leader. First of all, to be a king, a queen, a president, a dictator, whatever, for 70 years, first of all, it requires incredible longevity. You'd have to be, get lucky and like 
in terms of uh, Queen Elizabeth, she took the throne at such a young age. But 70 years, it's incredible. Even if you're not a fan of the whole monarchy thing and all that, I just don't believe we're ever going to see anything like that ever again. Welcome to Hurley in the Morning. You're on the air. Hey, Harry. How you doing? Good morning. Listen, I'm not, listen I'm, why don't we have a jubilee for Biden? He's been in office almost 50 years. Howie, come on now. That's, I'm only being kidding. But that is true. He, he is almost 50 years. It's a good point. <laughs> but I, I would, I would, I rather, I, I have a jubilee for my dog first before I have it for this president. So that's where I'm at with this level with this person. But that's besides the point. We'll get through all this. I'm not worrying. Listen, um. The reason I think what happened in, uh, in Texas, and you probably know too, Harry, there was commu- lack of communication there. And, you know, and they weren't sure what was really going on. They didn't want to go through that door and get shot at with the AR-15 or AR-97, whatever you want to call it. It was just poor posting. Don't forget, that school district is the poorest in that part of Texas. Well, here's the thing, though. I want to find out, is that actually, like we could say, you know, whatever, fog of war, poor communication and all these things. Is that actually what they do, though? Do they allow a shooter, an active shooter to just have at it and not go in? I'm not aware of any paramilitary organization in the country that that would be their standard operating procedure. And then you have this one guy that's not talking anymore, so he looks highly suspicious. Then he comes out and says, no, I'm talking. But then he's asked direct questions, and he won't he won't answer. So he really isn't talking. Uh, so I want to know if this is just they screwed up. Humans do that. Did somebody give them orders, you do not go inside? I told the story of the young girl that called the police from from inside. And she's she's you can imagine so scared. And she was told by whoever was on the phone, if it was a 911 operator or a police officer, whoever it was, she was told by law enforcement to run and scream. Now, I I wouldn't tell a child that because that shooter shot people who wouldn't shut up. I don't know if you saw the interview. I didn't I didn't like it, but they interviewed a 10 year old. And she said about the girl who wouldn't be quiet and that he shot her. And he didn't shoot the girl who was quiet, who's still alive. So they gave her the instruction to run and yell. And that got her exactly killed. But, Harry, you know what's happening today with the young youth of like nine, ten years old? They're playing video games, shooting and killing everybody. And the problem is a lot of them are dramatized and some aren't dramatized because of those video games are just destroying their mind. That's the problem. Parents need to stop it right now with these kids on these killing video games. I mean, it's, it's out of control. That's- yeah, my brother, who's a career lawman, he also believes that. This isn't like Pong, you know, square little blips on the screen. Beep, beep, beep. Uh, th- this is like all out, perfect graphics, exploding heads, blood. I mean, perfect video. I think there is something to that, that there's a desensitizing to reality where you just mow people down and, and they're, they're addictive, these games. So these kids wind up and young adults wind up playing them for hours and hours and hours. And they have almost I mean, we have people now that are saying they live 
in the metaverse, that, that they no longer live in, in our spatial dimension, that they live in, in this, this fantasy. People are buying property inside the metaverse. I mean, there's a lot of crazy things that are going on right now. But I think you raise, Tom, a very good point on these video games. I don't know what we do about that because uh, I believe there, it's a, it's a, I know it's a multi-billion dollar industry and they're going to continue to exist. But these, these violent games where you blow people away and it's so graphic, I, I think you could easily have suspension of disbelief where you lose reality the difference between the the game and doing it for real that now, harry when i was about four or five years old i went to my my grandma passed away and i asked my mom and dad to go how come she's laying down with a nice dress and her hair's all curly and they go well son you die and then you go to heaven and I was five. My parents never taught me that you're going to grow up and get old, and then you're going to pass on. I was never, I was never taught that. No, when I found all that out, I turned six years old. I thought I was going to be five forever. Wow! And, and you teach a child something like that, that sticks with them. You know, and, and, and you think about it. I didn't think I would get old. I always tell my dad, "How come you're old? How come everybody else old, and I'm still young?" But then finally, my mom sat me down. Well, son. You're going to not be five or six forever, and one day you're going to be where grandmom is one day. You know, it took, you, know you, you can take a young mind and you can really uh, change it in just a, a short talk if you're not. I mean, for example, they could have told you that you are meant to be forever young and you would have believed it until such time that whole, all of a sudden, wait a minute, now I am getting older. My voice is getting deeper. I'm getting older. I'm getting taller. I look different. But I agree with you on that. Tom, I've got to get the break in. Thanks for a great call until we meet again. And I regret, Michael, Call. give me a couple of minutes. Michael is going to be the next caller. Uh, I've got to clear the lines again because we have one more opportunity for you to play and win Tower of Power tickets for tomorrow night, 9 p.m., Resorts Casino Hotel. So I'm clearing the lines. Just give me about four minutes and call back. And then we'll be back in open for, in open forum to conclude the hour. 609-407-1450. Tower of Power is an awesome American R&B and funk-based band. They have a great horn section. I, you know this of me because of Chicago. I'm a huge fan of horn sections. I just think it brings just a sound that is memorable and incredible to music. I love it. So this is your opportunity right now, 609-407-1450. We have an open phone line, 609-407-1450. We're going to give away two pairs of tickets right now, 609-407-1450. All you have to do is promise me you'll go. It's tomorrow night. 9 p.m. Superstar Theater at Resorts Casino Hotel. Your tickets will be at the Will Call Window, Tower of Power, 9 p.m. tomorrow night at Resorts Casino Hotel in Atlantic City. And we thank them for their partnership. We'll be back right after this. 609-407-1450. Call me right now if you'd like to go to the show. The WPG Talk Radio app is your connection to South Jersey's talk station. Get free, unlimited local and statewide news from New Jersey's largest radio news team. Download all of our local shows as podcasts and more. Powered by Ambient Comfort. 
For installation to repairs and maintenance, give Ambient Comfort Heating and Cooling a call today at 856-213-6586. AmbientComfortNJ.com. Download every Hurley in the Morning program as a podcast on the WPG Talk Radio app. Harry Hurley on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Thank you. We have the perfect amount of time to take one more phone call to end what has been such a great hour. Thank you for making it happen. John Zarek is next. Then we have Deborah Hart and Lung Center and a wonderful doctor, Dr. Kasmanian, uh, who will be talking about an extremely important topic today on Deborah Hart and Lung Center Presents. Then after that, we will have Grace Mositis, who is the reigning Miss Central Jersey, which is a pageant qualifier for the um, Miss New Jersey title. So we're going to be talking all about that. Uh, and that'll be that. It's, it's been quite a morning already. Uh, we want to congratulate David and his guest, Bill Ditto. Uh, let's see. Peter, Dan, Julio, and Oscar. Uh, and all of your guests to have a great time at Resorts Casino Hotel tomorrow night for Tower of Power in the Superstar Theater at 9 p.m. Enjoy. And Resorts Casino Hotel is the official and exclusive casino hotel for the Hurley in the Morning program. And we thank you for your partnership on this wonderful guest listener appreciation moment. Michael, thank you for your patience. The time is yours. You're on the air. Thank you, Harry, and good morning. Uh, you know, listening to the past callers, I have to agree a lot on what they are saying about uh, what could have and should have probably happened in the, in the school. But also, you know, I talked to you last week very quickly, and I said maybe, you know, people need to reflect. And maybe it's time now that there is very serious talk about maybe some type of discussion on how this 18-year-old legally bought an AR-15 and legally uh, came in with all of that ammo to do that. And really... Well, by, by the way, we know in his case why, because he had been a, a, a minor. He had not reached majority age. He had been a minor, even though his nickname in his own school, his own high school, was School Shooter. And he obviously was very deeply disturbed uh, he had no record. So he hit 18 with a perfectly clean record. Well, that, that's kind of my, you know, you know, the point. We're not really hearing any, you know, one side, I'm taking my political views completely out of it. Right. But there needs to be some type of talk. Uh, you know, I'm not saying we need to, you know, abolish the Second Amendment and everyone has their right to, to bear an arm, you know, I'm I'm for that. But maybe just type some type of discussion on if it if you're buying these type of weapons and this type of ammo, and you want to go to the gun range, you want to you know use this uh, other than for you know uh, military use. I, I I agree with that. But maybe some type of discussion where if you're walking out of a store with that much ammo. That, to me, seems like we need a discussion. Yeah, and at a very young age. I, that's why I'm in favor. It sounds like jargon, but there are certain red flags that we should agree to agree about. To be continued, Michael. John Zarek is next. WPGG Atlantic City, WENJHD3 Millville, a town square media station. Everything you need to know in six minutes starts now.
From Harry Hurley Way in the world's playground to the broadcast pioneers of Philadelphia Hall of Fame. I want to congratulate my friend, Harry Hurley. You're about to find out why Harry Hurley has been named to the Talkers Magazine list of the 100 most important talk show hosts in the nation. Live from the studios of Town Square Media in Northfield, it's Hurley in the Morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. It is six minutes past the hour. Thanks for waking up early in the morning. And thanks again and congratulations to all of our ticket winners for Tower of Power tomorrow night at Resorts Casino Hotel in Atlantic City. You're just going to the second floor Superstar Theater area. You'll go to the Will Call window. Your tickets will be there in your name. Bring photo ID and get your tickets and have a great time and thank you for the opportunity to partner with resorts casino hotel atlantic city on this wonderful on-air giveaway that we've been able to do all last hour long so we have 12 hurley in the morning guest listeners that will be in the house can't wait to hear about what a great time you had this is the law offices of john zarek presents smart law with john zarek john is the official lead counsel for criminal defense legal matters For the Hurley in the Morning program, the law offices of John Zarek focuses their efforts on criminal defense law. The goal is to provide you with the very best legal defense, the phone number to reach John, and the law offices of John Zarek, 609-641-2266. That's 609-641-2266 on the web at johnzarek.com. Well, hello there, Counselor. Good morning, Harry. Good to be here. Good to have you. Well, I have some things to talk about, but I thought we'd start out. I know you had some things on your mind, and uh, we can address uh, one or two of those. Well, let me start with, and I've been addressing it this morning, and I sort of hinted that I thought it would be something that you'd want to talk about. And I, you're, we're very similar in a certain respect. We don't rush to judgment. We wait we gather facts, we're responsible, and we try to do the right thing. So it seems to me this was the first day that I I felt that I should say something because, as you know, and I know this holds true to you um, very, very much as well, that we hold law enforcement in, in high esteem and support law enforcement. And I always want to take the side of law enforcement unless I can't. And I've gotten to the point, John, where the more I learn about Uvalde, Texas, and that these little children were getting mowed down and that there was such a significant amount of police presence right on hand, but that they, it appears, and nobody seems to be disputing this, John, it appears that they didn't go inside. And I just find that incredible to understand because every cop I know You'd have to hogtie them and then and then double hogtie them to keep them from going in and helping people. So I'm very troubled by this, John. I don't want to rush to judgment, but I think we know enough now that something very wrong happened here. Yeah, it was uh, it was a terrible situation. We had the same situation in Florida um, also where. You know, people were making a perimeter or doing something that was ineffective to the situation. And um, I think we can, you know, everyone afterwards 
always says that, you know, it's the obligation of the officer who's there, the first one, the second one, the third one, to um, advance toward the the gunfire and try to disrupt the situation. Now, obviously, that presents a uh, a threat to the officer's life and maybe maybe an overwhelming threat to the officer's life, but. Um, I, I think there shouldn't be any confusion in this. Um, there shouldn't be any, um, everyone knows, I mean, the officers I've talked to about the situation is, uh, you know, it's, it's very clear. Their position is, you know, you advance toward the gunman, um, at the risk of your own life, but you you have to interrupt, you know, a, a gunman who's attempting to who is killing kids. I mean, obviously, there's shooting going on. They know the shooting is at kids in or teachers in the school. Um, it's then a situation of who should be in the line of fire. Should it be a police? Should it be a, a little kid, or the next one, or the next one, or a teacher? Or should it be the law enforcement person who's on the scene? Um, a terrible situation to be in, no doubt. But I think that's part of the understanding. Hey, John, let me ask you, do we know, because I I, um, I, I threw this out on the floor about 10 minutes ago or so. Do we know if they were following, if, the, if it's 19 police officers that are wa- waiting outside of the school, right by the door where they could go in, and make a difference and they're hearing gunshots and little kids are being killed and two teachers are being killed and they're outside waiting could that possibly be their protocol that they have some uh weird thing like i mentioned in the united kingdom they stabilize people at the scene of a crash inordinately that's what i believe killed princess diana many years ago here in america yet get them the hell out and you get them to emergency, uh, whatever, uh, you know, uh, work and, and try to save them there. They, t- they try to stabilize them forever. And then she died because of, of their procedure there. Could this possibly be the procedure that they don't go in? Could it could it be or did they punk out? I mean, were they afraid? I heard one. I mean, it's on video. I heard one mom yelling at this police officer. You're afraid to go in. You're afraid to get shot. I mean, could this possibly be their procedure? And if it is, then their procedure needs to be dramatically altered. Yeah, well, I've never I've I've not heard that that's the procedure to stage to set up a perimeter to not go in and disrupt uh, and I, I don't know I don't know any police officers who would proceed that way I don't in either. fact I've not talked to any about this who yeah. would proceed that way so um, I, I think it's part of the contract when you're a police officer or in, I, I, it's part of the contract of being a human being in my opinion I mean I think everyone um, if someone is being victimized, everyone should, you know, advance toward that situation um, and and incur risk. I mean, that's really what um, that's what's called for in the situation. Now, I, I understand people aren't some people aren't aggressive and they are they're not physical and you know they 
maybe it's not appropriate for some individuals to uh, be in a, a rescue mode, so to speak, if someone's being harmed or threatened. But police officers, by virtue of by virtue of their job and their training, that's what they're there for. They're there to um, advance toward the problem when other people are running away. So, you know, my proposal would be, Harry, that... Um, Do me a favor. Save the, the what I'm going to name the Zarek Doctrine until right after the break. It's 15 minutes past the hour. He's John Zarek. I am yours truly, Hurley in the Morning, and this is Smart Law with John Zarek. Back in just a few minutes because this is... Early in the morning, WPG Talk Radio 95.5 and on the WPG Talk Radio app. WPG Talk Radio 95.5. For complete contest rules, visit WPGTalkRadio.com. It is 20 minutes past the hour. We continue with John Zarek, Smart Law with John Zarek. So, John, you were about to unveil, you're not calling it this, I am, the Zarek Doctrine because really, what I think is so important about this, we need a national discussion. We can never have a situation where people are in a building, in a school, and the only person with a gun is mowing people down, shooting them in the face. I mean, just horrifically uh, bad stuff going on. And there's dozens of cops uh, 10 feet away just standing there. I, I don't – honestly, I don't know how they could live with that, John. Uh, I agree. So I I think um, we don't need a year of study on this. I don't think we need um, to uh, have conferences nationwide to, to figure out a policy. And, of course, there are a lot of ramifications of um, active shooter situations. But we could, I think, in the in the contract of every police officer, everyone who wants to be a police officer, that would be active officers carrying guns uh sheriff's officers uh local police county police state police anyone who is in active law enforcement uh who potentially could find themselves in a situation where they would be at or near a school where something you know where a shooting situation is taking place i think in every contract everyone coming on now and i think it would be a a reasonable request for a renewal of any contract to have a clause a specific clause this is such a repulsive situation it's so uh so offensive to have police officers on the scene not advance toward to prevent the the murder of dozens of kids that we, I think we should need should have a um, a paragraph, a clause in every contract for every police officer in the United States that says, if I understand that it's my obligation, um, whether I've received orders or not, if an active shooter situation is going on in a school, uh, that I will. Um, it's my obligation to um, notify uh, my authorities, notify my department, um, quickly notify my department, and advance toward the active shooter. Uh, 
um, even if it means putting my life at risk um, or extreme risk. And I think that we should make that, that's one problem we can solve. I don't think we ever want to be in a situation again. And no police officer wants us to be in a situation. I've talked to a lot of them about this. No police officer wants to be in a situation where one of their brothers or sisters is standing outside of uh, a, a classroom, yeah, uh, very close to a classroom, where kids are being shot. John, John, after a mom who couldn't take it anymore, and, and I did a whole piece on don't mess with moms, please don't ever mess with moms, whatever you do, uh, they, they can do anything. This mom was exacerbated. She couldn't believe that law enforcement would not go in. She got in. She found the window. She got in. Not only did she get in and risk her life, she got her two children out of there. And this is why cop, while cops were just standing outside. And again, I really want to find out if they were because if they were following orders and if if they had gone in, they would be drummed out of their job, you know, prosecuted or, or charged and lose their, their jobs and their pensions. I want to find out if they were doing what they were instructed to do, or what the hell happened here. And I like the Zarek Doctrine because we would never talk about this again if 20 cops, 19 I think is the number, at one point just waiting to wait more, 45 minutes or more, while while kids are being mowed down. If they ever did that again, if the Zarek Doctrine were the law of the land, they would be violating their departmental rules, procedures, whatever you want to call them, because they would be responsible to go in and to take care of the situation, whether it would be to apprehend or to take down the shooter. I mean, I, I, I John, I, I honestly, and you know, I'm identical DNA of a career police officer. He comes to mind. Mike Heath, who you know, as well as you know, Don, comes to mind. Every police officer I know, you couldn't keep them from going in and trying to help those kids. No. So I don't understand how this happened. I, I can't believe we're even talking about this. Sure, um, but this is uh, if you want to if 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 you want a model of how to act in a situation. There was a young man in the, um, I believe it was the Pittsburgh synagogue shooting. There was an active shooter there. Um, there was a young man, he was outside, outside the synagogue, I believe. Um, the shooter was armed, fully armed. I don't know whether it was an AR or whether it was a handgun or, or what it, what it was. Um, at some distance from the um, young man and... The young man, unarmed, charged, ran full speed, screaming at the guy, full speed, right into him. Wow. And wow. Term, that was the end of the threat. Fortunately, he was not killed. He, but, but the aggression, and this is, you know, it's pretty standard military procedure and, you know, police procedure. Aggression very often will short circuit the bad guy. You know, um, they're 
they want to be in control. They have their gun. They think that everything's fine. When they experience aggression, you know, they, now it's, of course it's possible that they would fire at the oncoming person and kill the oncoming person. That's possible. But in many, many circumstances, um, I know in basic military strategy, um, we all know um, in the Band of Brothers, the the assault um, on the, the four guns, it was a chateau. Um, that assault, which is carried out by, uh, you know, the 101st Airborne, um, small unit of the 101st Airborne, uh, that assault against a heavily guarded German position with guns was totally successful when they, the aggression of it really short-circuited the Germans at one point. It caused them to be firing on each other. They just kind of panicked. And um, once they, once the 101st soldiers made progress, um, you know, the, the Germans sort of folded. And that that's taught today in the United States um, military academies and the Army War College, you know, that classic um, attack on that at that chateau. So, you know, aggression is really, really important to disrupt um, bad guys. And again, it's not my job to disrupt bad guys. It's, you know, um, I, I but I'm, I'm going to speak my mind. I mean, I'm going to say what I think it makes sense. And, you know, having an understanding, and I, and I think nobody would, nobody would argue with this policy. Nobody would say, oh, no, make a perimeter. If kids are being shot inside the school, if you're at school and you hear active shooter and you hear gunshots, uh, no one is going to say, make a perimeter and wait for further orders. That's not going to happen. Yeah, it's a shame we even have to talk about this. How could this even be that we're even talking about this? And a guest listener wrote in. I guess it's a distinction almost without a difference. But Dennis wrote in the the question start on how and why the door was left open. So there was inaccurate reporting about that. But I think it's really a distinction without a difference because the teacher did close the door. But the teacher believed that the door automatically locks because that door is always locked. But it wasn't locked that day. So it wasn't left open like was initially reported, but it was left unlocked. So it was obviously easy. I said from the beginning that the video that I saw, it was just it just looked like he just was able to walk right in because that's exactly what it was. He was able to just walk right in. So that's a problem as well. That's why. Uh, we need to uh, – what, what do they call it? Harden these different targets. Uh, you, you need to have – and schools are tough. You've got gymnasiums that have all kinds of doors. Just look at your typical school that has a full-fledged gymnasium where you have athletic competitions. Look how many doors there are. You know what I'm talking about, those big, huge doors that open – and they're on all sides of just the gym. Then you take every other exit and entrance that there is in a in a school, public or private. Uh, 
we've got to definitely do something to harden those targets, without a doubt. Uh, much more with John Zarek. And again, I still can't believe we're talking about this, that we're actually talking about the need to say that if you're 19 police officers and you're right out front of the door, that you're going to be required to go inside. I, I find that offensive, ridiculous, and I don't know any police officer in my lifetime who wouldn't – I know cops who, if they heard about it, would go over to the scene and you couldn't stop them from going in and, and taking care of what would need to be done. And yet, whatever this was, it happened. More with John Zarek right after this. This is the Town Square, New Jersey Info and Weather Network. And this is Harry Hurley at 32 minutes past the hour with three stories that you can follow on our WPG Talk Radio 95.5 app. There are dangerous, just, we'll have to call it just what it is. It's debris, it's concrete, it's rebar, it's wires, it's terrible. And two months later, after our first breaking news report, it remains at an Atlantic City public school. Clean it up, guys. Atlantic City Mayor and others allegedly set to be arraigned. We have the story. And an Atlantic City School Board member has uh, told us that the superintendent is giving illegal time off. From the Town Square, New Jersey Info and Weather Network, I'm Chief Meteorologist Dan Zaro. 24 hours from now, our weather will turn beautiful through the weekend, but we have some powerful thunderstorms to get through first. Warm and humid today, high temperature 80 degrees with mostly to partly cloudy skies. Soaking gusty thunderstorms will come into play late this afternoon. Those thunderstorms continue this evening. Showers may linger past midnight, low 66. Clearing the sunshine tomorrow, high of 78. Get weather 24-7 wherever you are. Download our free mobile app today. Early in the morning, WPG Talk Radio 95.5 FM and 1450 AM. Brian Kilmeade is next at 10. Now, back to Harry Hurley on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. We are back. It is 38 minutes past the hour with John Zarek. It's Smart Law with John Zarek. Counselor, time is yours. Yes, Harry. Uh, you know, the the we can't have this again. We can't be sitting here hearing another story of... Uh, law enforcement for whatever reason and i i give every law enforcement person even the ones involved in this situation uh the benefit of the doubt <clears throat> maybe they uh were told to await further orders maybe their sop although i haven't heard this from any law enforcement person but it's possible that uh their SOP is to make a perimeter or whatever they did. But I, th I think without much thought, uh, every law enforcement unit in Atlanta County, and maybe we can start with Atlanta County. Maybe um, every officer in Atlanta County would, uh, every new officer, and I guess on every contract renewal, will have a clause in their contract that said if they're at a school, um, we're at or near a school and there's an active shooter situation going on. They will not wait, will not establish a perimeter. They'll notify their, um, their unit, their dispatch or whoever, and, uh, proceed to disrupt the, the active shooter. I mean, that's seems to be 
the consensus of yeah. the law enforcement people I've talked to. John, do you find it a little bit incredible that this even that we even have to talk about this, that this would even have to be enacted, that it isn't already just absolute standard operating procedure? Look, I'm, I'm not saying you don't have a plan. You get the call, you know, active shooter in a school uh, for some reason, whatever the RSO the officer wasn't there. Uh, I don't know what that's all about. I guess we'll find out sometime, someday, what happened there. And of course, they had the um, the misspeak by saying that, that that he was initially encountered, and they had some whole bizarro world that it, like a hundred rounds were taken from him because of this initial encounter. That then turns out one day later never happened at all. So this is just really bad. A lot of lying. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm always forgiving in terms of fog of war and you can see things differently. You really think something happened. But the, a lot of this is is really incredulous stuff. But I can't believe that we would actually need to create something like this, that it isn't just understood. And again, I, I, I have no problem if some kind of leadership says, all right, here, we get together real quick. All right, this is what we're doing. I mean, but... They just hung out. And how do they listen to, to, to little kids getting shot and teachers getting shot? And they just ha- hang out until until whatever. Then it seems I want to know exactly what happened. Then it seems as though a Border Patrol person went in there and took the guy down. So, you know, I, I just I'm in shock that this is the way this thing has played out. Yeah. It's it's certainly demoralizing. Um, I think every every police officer in the country and I, everyone that I've talked to uh, feels somewhat ashamed of this and demoralized by it uh, that this uh, could or would occur. And it's you know it's it's something in in this day and age when we're well. We don't we don't pass a week or two without supporting law enforcement, uh, pointing out the ridiculous positions that so many are taking, defund the police, uh, that the police are Nazis, that the police are, um, you know, part of the racist power structure, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I don't I don't think we go two or three weeks without speaking pretty extensively on those issues. And so we're very pro-law enforcement and uh, we want, uh, we're fighting, we're in a battle, you know, we're in a battle, we're in a cultural battle, you know, law enforcement's on one side and, uh, you know, the extreme left-wing socialist, um, anarchist, communist, uh, which is, which is, very very established in the Democratic Party is on the other side. I mean, very. Let's be clear about it. Uh, so we're we're fighting a battle here that is an active battle, and uh, we can advance if we do the right things, or we can, you know, be driven back if we we do the wrong thing. So one of the right things to do is not to have this situation happen again because. Yeah. This hurts. This hurts every single law enforcement officer, and it hurts the cause. Then I hear, I hate hearing things, and I understand. I mean, people are scared and maybe even lawyered up. But you've got the one chief that's not answering questions, and then it starts to look like, wow, you, you can't even justify what you did 
you're you're responsible at the leadership level and now you've got nothing to say you're all clammed up so it's just bad on top of bad but i do understand that this individual could be facing some kind of danger as you would call it jeopardy uh let's get our final break in the hour i knew it was going to happen absolutely just evaporating before our ears back with john zarek right after this with john i am early in the morning WPG Talk Radio 95.5 and on the WPG Talk Radio app. Hey, Sean Hannity here. Join me today at 3, but now back to Hurley in the Morning right here on WPG Talk Radio 95.5 FM and 1450 AM, South Jersey's talk station. Hey, thank you, Sean Hannity. At 51 minutes past the hour, it's John Zarek presenting Smart Law with John Zarek. And if you've missed the program, check out the podcast later today when it uploads. You can download it on demand. It's it's available 24-7. John has introduced what I've called. He didn't call it that. He's not. He's very modest. But I'm calling it the Zarek Doctrine. And John is proposing that what happened in Uvalde, Texas, should never, ever happen again because whether there was an order given to stand down or they just decided to not go in, maybe, I don't know, they were afraid to, to get shot. So one of the moms said right to one of the guys, uh, are you afraid to get shot? What are you doing? Uh, so, John, the doctrine, the, the Zarek doctrine is that it's built into the contract. It's built into the agreement that when you become paramilitary, whatever, police you sign on that that's your job you can't you you would not be complying with the requirements of your job if you stood by and did not go into a situation like this it's basically what you're saying john right yeah i think i think uh, the obligation would be to um advance toward the shooter um even at risk of your own life now Obviously, I'm coming up with this idea. I am not uh, a law enforcement officer. Um, the, the proper lead on this, ideally, would be um, a member of law enforcement, and I hope somebody takes that takes that lead and runs with the ball. I guess, ideally, it would be uh, chief of police in Atlantic or Cape May County who would, uh, you know, propose very quickly that that be adopted, that at least we know that this would not happen in Atlantic and Cape May County, New Jersey, or nationally. I mean, I think it should be a, a national contract that if you're, um, it's a very specific situation. Uh, we can't micromanage every situation, but we can micromanage this one. We can micromanage this one to the point where we say, if children are, you know, being subjected to an active shooter that anyone on the scene, even if alone, um, while notifying, you know, their department or dispatch or whatever, you know, we certainly want that that's going to happen automatically anyway, would be their obligation is to uh, advance toward the active shooter and disrupt the situation. And, and in fact, that's what, ultimately that's what happened you know so one person and i don't know whether he was armed or unarmed the border patrol agent um he was armed he shot him he shot him dead i assume he was armed yeah he was i, I assumed he was armed 
he had one person it shows what one person can do uh who's aggressive he advanced toward the uh active shooter and killed him and no doubt saved you know countless kids lives because we don't know based on what was going on we don't know whether they would have the, the officers would have milled around for another hour outside. Well, well, and, and by the way, I mean, we have no reason to believe that that wouldn't have been the case, because they, if you do it for 45 minutes or an hour, uh, who's to say what the limit is to that? And he never got outside of one classroom. So the longer he would have been in that school, he could have moved on to another classroom. I mean, I agree with you completely. We'll never know. You can't prove what didn't happen. But if that Border Patrol agent doesn't take him down and the story i heard was he heard it on they had a similar radio so he heard it on the radio that this was going on and he took off instead of running away from danger he ran into danger he did what you're supposed to do yeah and i'll I'll tell you that guy um i had this feeling about other people I know in the military, my father-in-law, for example, who's a machine gunner with the with the uh, 29th Division, landed on D-Day, fought for three weeks in Normandy, um, you know, saved saved a big portion of his battalion by doing the right thing at the right time. Was awarded, uh, decorated by the uh, commanding general on the spot. My feeling was when he came home, now he got a job, he coached Little League, he did everything. You now he just lived like a normal citizen. But in my opinion, he was wounded badly, year in the hospital. Um, wow. I felt that he never should have had to work a day in his life. He should have, be, he should have received every award, every reward, every, you know, He's the guy. Uh, a lot of people get a lot of benefits for a lot of things, but he, that type of guy should be really set for life. That was my feeling about oh, it. I love that, John. I Maybe love a little that. extreme. Yeah. But I feel the same way. You know, I feel the same way about that Border Patrol officer. While everyone else is standing around, he went in. He, they should make him an honorary captain or an honorary chief and pay him for the rest of his life with no obligation, do whatever you want, officer. You know, you're, we, we want to let you know that, uh, by the way, that John, I know that's sort of like Pollyanna utopia, whatever. That would be a beautiful thing. If you do something so selfless, so heroic, uh, so material that we actually have some special accommodation. I, I, I mean, look, look at the money this government wastes, uh, on a second by second basis, that would be a wonderful special category to exist. I'd be all for that. Two minutes left in your program, John. Time is yours. Yeah. So I think I think he was uh, a hero among heroes. You know, a real standout, along with the uh, the young man who charged the shooter in the uh, Pittsburgh shooting, the Pittsburgh synagogue shooting. And I think I think people like that should be rewarded. And anybody, um, I, I don't think I don't think people who are in active situations and are shot because of that should get normal disability. They should get normal disability plus 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 and plus. Yeah, agreed. You know, they should 
not have sort of a tunnels to tower situation where they, you know, build the person a home, yeah. make sure everything is fine, yeah. to have no problems. Because when you put your life on the line in that way, with that effect, a lot of people put their lives on the line, but, um, you know, they don't have the opportunity to be as effective as, as those people. But and, you, and as you know, we do certain things. It's not it's not as much as what you're saying, and I like what you're saying. I mean, if you served, I believe, active, you don't have to pay local property taxes, and a lot of veterans don't even know that. Uh, so there are some special accommodations, but I love what you said. John, 30 seconds, closing comment. Yeah. Well, um, I think there should be, to, to recap, I think the, the, the confusion, every, every time this happens where people are milling around and they don't go in and then we have investigations and we recriminations and people angry, I think we should eliminate the confusion and put it a contract in every law enforcement in the country. Certainly we could do it here in Atlantic and Cape May County put a contract in a clause in the contract that says five that seconds if you are in or near a school there's an active shooter you must advance toward i'm naming it the Zar- the zarek doctrine john have a great day Atlantic City, WENJH3 Millville, a Town Square media station everything you need to know in six minutes starts now from Harry Hurley Way in the world's playground to the broadcast pioneers of Philadelphia Hall of Fame. I want to congratulate my friend, Harry Hurley. You're about to find out why Harry Hurley has been named to the Talkers Magazine list of the 100 most important talk show hosts in the nation. Live from the studios of Town Square Media in Northfield, it's Hurley in the Morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. It is six minutes past the hour, and it is my privilege to welcome back. We have had great programs in the past. We have a great Deborah Heart and Lung Center cardiac electrophysiologist who is also the medical director of clinical research at Deborah Heart and Lung Center, Dr. Pedram Kazimian. And the topic this half hour on Deborah Heart and Lung Center Presents is understanding atrial fibrillation. We have a very important topic this half hour. Dr. Pedram Kazimian is an electrophysiologist, is board certified in both cardiovascular disease and clinical cardiac electrophysiology. Dr. Kazimian earned his medical degree and completed his residency in internal medicine at the University of Toronto in Canada. After residency, he completed both a fellowship in cardiology and a fellowship in clinical cardiac electrophysiology at the University of Alberta in Edmonton, Canada. He went on to complete additional fellowship training in clinical cardiac electrophysiology at Brigham and Women's Hospital, Harvard University in Boston, and a fellowship in advanced clinical cardiac electrophysiology at Stewart St. Elizabeth's Medical Center, Tufts University in Boston. Dr. Kazimian's special interests include atrial fibrillation, our topic this half hour, heart failure, and ablations for ventricle tachycardia. He has participated in many clinical research projects and authored numerous articles in peer-reviewed medical journals. Dr. Kazimian, welcome to your program, and we'll get right into the topic. A lot to cover this half hour. Uh, Let's start right up front. What is good atrial, hey good morning to you doctor what is atrial fibrillation So atrial fibrillation is the most common arrhythmia in humans 
And uh, so heart uh, has an electrical activity and the pacemaker, which determines its rate uh, and regularity. Uh, once this uh, rhythm is uh, out of sync and lost, uh, uh, one of the things that could happen is atrial fibrillation. And uh, during atrial fibrillation, the top chambers of the heart, uh, which are called atria, uh, are not contracting, essentially. Electrically, they are fibrillating, which uh, if you were to look inside the chest and look at the heart, you will see kind of shaking, but not really contracting. And the bottom chambers of the heart uh, become irregular and often fast. Uh, and this electrical abnormality of the heart uh, is called atrial fibrillation. What are the risk factors? So there are many risk factors uh, for atrial fibrillation. Some of them are we call modifiable risk factors, which mean that we can probably do something about them to reduce them, and some are non-modifiable. So, um, I'll, you know, the most common uh, risk factors are uh, high hypertension or high blood pressure and heart failure, which is weakening of the heart muscle. But there are other things such as obesity, uh, diabetes, uh, sleep apnea, uh, chronic uh, coronary artery disease, uh, valve diseases of the heart, um, endocrine abnormalities such as hyperthyroidism, and a host of other things uh, that we do see in many patients. Having said that, in up to about half of the patients who have atrial fibrillation, we may not be able to find any of these risk factors. So they simply increase the risk, but they're not necessarily causative in many of these cases uh, as for atrial fibrillation. Very important information. Dr. Kazimian, uh, what are the symptoms of AFib? So as I mentioned previously, what AFib uh, causes is that it makes the top chambers or prevents the top chambers of the heart from contracting. As a result, if you think of the heart uh, as an engine that has four cylinders, imagine two of those cylinders are not uh, working. So it would be a, a, an engine that's running on two as opposed to four. So the, the corollary of that in the heart is that reduced cardiac output. So less blood is pumped out of the heart and by about 15 to 20%. As a result, less blood gets to brain, muscle, and other organs. So patients feel fatigued short of breath and um, also as i mentioned the bottom chamber starts going fast and irregular so people feel palpitation they may have dizzy spells uh, and essentially they wind it uh, all the time so they feel tired all the time and fatigued all the time let me bring up something that some people listening right now may deal with from time to time if someone's heart flutters occasionally i don't you know, i'm a lay person so i don't know if that's like officially a palpitation or whatever but if they have that little that little flutter feeling occasionally is that something to be concerned about i mean could that could that be afib absolutely so uh you mentioned about symptoms of afib so uh, a lot of these symptoms that i mentioned are uh not a specific for atrial fibrillation. Other arrhythmias could cause this as well. You can have extra beats uh, that cause this other rap causes of rapid heart rate. But as I mentioned, the most common cause of arrhythmia in, in men is, is atrial fibrillation. So in patients who have predispositions or risk factors, as I just mentioned previously, um, 
especially in elderly, because it, AFib it becomes more prevalent as we get older. Uh, uh, so in a younger patient, a 30-year-old, 40-year-old, probably not, but in a 70-year-old, 65, 80-year-old, uh, with those symptoms, yes, definitely uh, AFib would be something that we need to be concerned about because as we'll hopefully discuss later on, there are risks associated with untreated AFib, mm. uh, including a stroke that can potentially be prevented if diagnosed and treated properly. We will. That question is going to come up after the first break. Let's get in one more before that break. And we only take one break during Deborah Heart and Lung Center. We'll do it in a few minutes. You talked a bit about it when you talked about less blood to the brain, less blood to the, you know, the, 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 the vital organs and things. But what happens specifically uh, within the heart during AFib? And are there different stages? Yeah, so what happens uh, is the top chambers of the heart, which are atria, uh, stop contracting. So they fibrillate, uh, which is another word for saying that they kind of wiggle around. Uh, the uh, fibrillation is, a, is Italian uh, for a, a, a worm. Essentially, you see a bag full of worms, and that's exactly how it looks like. Is you see uh, some movement on the wall of the top chamber of the heart, but in effect, in effect they're not... Uh, really contracting uh but the bo- and the bottom chamber goes out of sync as well but fortunately it does contract but contract irregularly and often fast uh, uh, in terms of different stages uh, the uh, typically when afib starts uh, it uh, starts sporadically we call it paroxysmal afib and what it means that patient may experience a bout of AFib for, say, 10 minutes, a half an hour, maybe an hour or so, that comes and goes and stops on its own. And they may not have another one for a few days, maybe a week, maybe two weeks. And then in some percentage of patients, that progresses to what's called persistence, which means that the frequency of relation uh, he she does come out then to emergency or come to the hospital a physician with symptoms that are not resolving uh, and uh, those ones we bring them to hospital there are treatments um, such as cardioversion which is the shocking the heart essentially out of this rhythm back to normal rhythm uh, and then other medication which we'll discuss later so that's called persistent which means that it's not resolving spontaneously and again some percentage of those patients persistent over years that progress to what's called permanent, which is a kind of end stage of it, meaning that the, um, uh, we can't even get those patients at that stage out of AFib, even if we try, or if they come out, they come out for maybe a few minutes and they go back again to it. So uh, they, those patients will end up staying in atrial fibrillation. Of course, we have to address the other issues, including a stroke prevention in those patients, regardless of whether they're in AFib or out of the AFib. And we're going to talk about that right after the break. We're at 16 minutes past the hour. Very important topic this half hour on Deborah Heart and Lung Center presents Dr. Pedram Kazimian, who is the cardiac electrophysiologist and the medical director of clinical research at Deborah Heart and Lung Center. And our topic this half hour on Deborah Heart and Lung Center presents Dr. Kazimian is understanding atrial fibrillation. Much more important content right after the break, and then we'll be uninterrupted until 35 minutes past the hour uh, when we conclude with um, a whole lot more important information. And when we come back, exactly 
what Dr. Kazemian was talking about. How might AFib increase the chance of stroke and heart failure? Very, very important part of today's program coming up next when we come right back. Stay with us with Dr. Kazemian. I am Harry Hurley in the morning. This is WPG Talk Radio 95.5 South Jersey's number one talk station. All because of you. And we know it. We thank you for it. Summertime at the Jersey Shore. The glitz and glamour of Atlantic City's casinos. Jersey's best pizza on the Ocean City Boardwalk. Great rides in Wildwood. And miles and miles of bumper-to-bumper traffic. WPG Talk Radio 95.5 wants to keep you moving with expanded summertime traffic updates. Friday afternoon through your ride back Sunday evening. WPG Talk Radio 95.5, South Jersey's talk station. This is Hurley in the morning. Ah, Harry Hurley. That is a great name. WPG Talk Radio 95.5 and WPGTalkRadio.com. Hey, thank you. Welcome back. It's Deborah Hart Lung Center presents Dr. Pedram Kazemian, cardiac electrophysiologist and the medical director of clinical research at Deborah Hart Lung Center. And a reminder to make an appointment. It's very simple to do. You can either use the website, which works beautifully. So you can take the digital route at demanddeborah.org or you can call 609-621-2080. That's 609 621 2080 to make an appointment. Today's topic on Deborah Hart Lung Center Presents is understanding atrial fibrillation with Dr. Kazemian. So we really are hitting one of the most important uh, questions of your program today, sir, and that is how might AFib increase the chance of stroke and heart failure? Yeah, very important question. So um, unfortunately, um, up to about a third of all the strokes that occur are because of atrial fibrillation. So it's not a minor issue. And as you can uh, imagine, the stroke is could be very devastating. And typically the strokes that occur in the context of atrial fibrillation uh, are worse in terms of severity than, than the other types of the stroke. Why does this stroke happen is, as I mentioned, uh, as part of the, uh, the mechanism of atrial fibrillation, the top chamber of the heart stops contracting and as a result the blood becomes a stagnant and the stagnant blood tends to form clot and if the, this clot travels to the brain it uh, manifests uh, as an, a stroke mm. uh, so uh, in patients with atrial fibrillation who have the risk factors for a stroke uh, being aged uh, diabetes hypertension prior stroke heart failure and alike they uh, are at risk and they would need to uh, receive blood thinner to prevent uh, the blood clot formation and uh, hence uh, stroke prevention. And uh, the, what the first step is to make uh, make sure that we diagnose them properly. So uh, you mentioned an example of somebody who has palpitation, for example, mm-hmm. the seven-year-old with hypertension or palpitation. And uh, if that person indeed has atrial fibrillation and is undiagnosed, uh, and is not on blood thinner, he is at uh, you know considerable risk for uh, neurologic uh, problems, including a stroke. Wow, uh, very important. What are the types of treatments and medications available for someone who has AFib? So the medication number one would be uh, anticoagulation. Uh, there are many of them available. The uh, uh, the old one was warfarin, which uh, many of your 
viewer, uh, listeners are, uh, I'm sure, uh, heard about. But fortunately, we have newer medications uh, that are called novel oral anticoagulants or NOACs. Uh, the benefit of them is that they don't require regular blood work for titration of the dose. Uh, you can take them once or twice a day and they do the trick. Uh, they have very little drug-drug interaction and uh, uh, don't interact with food, so it's relatively easy to take them. Uh, there are some po- subpopulation of patients with atrial fibrillation who cannot take anticoagulation. They either have significant risk of bleeding or have already bled. And we do have, uh, actually we offer that Deborah uh, a procedure called the Watchman device implantation, and this will substitute the need for um, uh, ant- taking anticoagulation. Um, so one way or another, either with medication or consideration for Watchman, uh, we can uh, protect them against the stroke. The second step is that, as I mentioned previously, also one of the manifestations of atrial fibrillation is rapid heart rate. And rapid, if you let the heart uh, uh, run very fast or extended period of time that causes weakening of the heart muscle or heart failure so the heart rate has to be adequately controlled let's let's talk about that for someone listening that might not know what would constitute rapid heart rate what are we talking about so by definition a heart rate over 100 beats per minute at rest is considered tachycardia or rapid heart rate important to know so um, and uh, there are parameters that we use to determine adequacy of rate control, but that's uh, when you come to the board and uh, we talk in the clinic, we'll go over those things and we have different ways of controlling that. We have medications and in some cases when the medication doesn't work, there may be other things that we can do to control the heart rate. And again, and lastly, yeah, go ahead, please yeah. continue. And lastly, the most important one is the, the one the patient complain about is the symptoms. As I mentioned, patients with AFib often have symptoms of fatigue, shortness of breath, and none of these things that I mentioned, anticoagulation and rate control, often addresses that issue. And we need to get those patients out of uh, atrial fibrillation, and they keep them out of atrial fibrillation. So we have ablation for atrial fibrillation, we have cardioversion, and in the right patients, if they present early uh, and with, before uh, anatomic changes occur in the heart, we can have up to 85% success rate of uh, not only getting them to regular rhythm, but keeping them out of atrial fibrillation. Wow, terrific. That's encouraging. Dr. Kazemian, yeah. is AFib reversible? So you've got it one day. Can it be gone? Uh, it almost. In majority of these patients, it's not reversible, but there is a small population of patients where it is caused by some uh, stimulating factor. For example, uh, you know, a young person goes on binge drinking on Saturday, Sunday, and then comes on Monday in atrial fibrillation. That probably was provoked by the alcohol, excessive alcohol use. And those patients, uh, they don't really have significant risk of uh, stroke. And they, uh, once the AFib resolves, which often does spontaneously, uh, they won't get that again in most cases, uh, unless they, you know, uh, try the drinking again at high volume. Uh, there are some other causes, such as uh, pericarditis, which is an inflammation of the heart that's sometimes caused by viruses, and that's also reversible. If it's caused by overactive thyroid, you know, when you treat 
thyroid disease, it will be, uh, you know, taking care of the atrial fibrillation as well. So there are rare cases that happens, but I would say in majority of patients, uh, unfortunately, unless we do something about it, it's not going to be uh, reverted on its own. What about this? Can you, someone listening right now that doesn't ever want to have this, can you prevent it from happening? Do we have, do we have the ability to prevent it? Well, as I mentioned, we don't know exactly what causes atrial fibrillation, but we know certain risk factors that are uh, contributing to the AFib. Uh, also, as I mentioned, some of those risk factors are modifiable, which means that we can do something about them, and some, unfortunately, are genetic, and we're born with it, and we can't do anything about them. The ones that are modifiable uh, include high blood pressure, so if we can control our blood pressure, it would be helpful. Uh, sleep apnea, so that's a condition where patients uh, snore at night and they stop breathing and that tends to put uh, extra stress on the heart and causes atrial fibrillation. And obviously we have treatment for that. Uh, if it's treated, it definitely reduces the risk of atrial fibrillation. If they are have valve disease, uh, we can diagnose those valve disease and treat the valve disease and often that prevents that. Uh, alcohol consumption, especially high amounts of it, is uh, uh, cardiotoxic, so it's bad for the heart. It causes atrial fibrillation, so we can reduce the alcohol consumption or uh, uh, you know moderate the use of it, uh, and things of that nature. So some of those are reversible causes or things that we can do. Uh, weight loss definitely is an important issue, which we have uh, significant problems, especially in North America, as you know. And yeah. that's definitely been shown that reduction of uh, weight to normal range uh, reduces the AFib. And uh, not only that, it uh, improves the success of the treatment. So if somebody comes for treatment of AFib, we encourage them and help them to lose weight. And that way we will assure that we have higher success rate in our treatment. We have about four more minutes in today's program with today's featured Deborah Hart Lung Center doctor, uh, Dr. Pedram Kazemian. And we're talking about atrial fibrillation. This is also one of the, uh, I think, big questions of your program today, doctor. And that is, and I'm sure a lot of people that are dealing with it want to know this or could future deal with something like this when they would hear it, uh, that this is something that, that, that they will have to uh, you know, handle. Can a person with atrial fibrillation live a full, long life? Absolutely. And that's uh, the important thing is to make a proper diagnosis early on to prevent the sequelae of the disease, uh, the biggest one being a stroke, obviously. And uh, under appropriate treatment, this should not be something that would restrict your uh, your lifespan. You should be able to live a you know, f- a fulfilling and healthy life otherwise uh, without even restriction in terms of your physical activity or physical tolerance. And let's close with this and then anything you want to share in the very last moment of your program, the time will be yours for a closing comment of your choice, doctor. But why is it important for people who have heart issues not to delay treatment or care? When, in other words, should you see a doctor? <laughs> yeah, so uh, generally, you know, heart conditions are um, uh, could be, you know, have significant sequelae for the patient, uh, you know, from major uh, disabilities 
to a stroke, as I mentioned, to a heart attack, to uh, heart failure. Uh, but most of these treatments, most of these conditions we have treatment for nowadays. And uh, But the clue and the, the, the cue for the patient to seek medical attention are often symptoms. And it's very important for for. Uh, for patients not to ignore symptoms. So if you feel palpitation, if you feel short of breath, if you feel chest pain, uh, that are you know out of ordinary and you've been changing over the past days or weeks, don't wait. Go see your doctor, come to the Bora. We have cardiologists here that can more, be more than happy to see you. Do the test. If everything is normal, you're fine. And if you we find something such as atrial fibrillation, intervention earlier is associated with better outcomes. So if you have atrial fibrillation for 10 years, for example, that has not been treated, that success rate of 85% that I told you does not apply. That's for early treatment for patients before the left atrial remodeling and a scar buildup in the left atrium. Uh, so the treatments are successful. Uh, prevents bad outcome, provided that, that you, patients present early, and that's uh, you know they have to take it upon themselves to uh, to take that active role in their own uh, diagnosis and treatment. Which so importantly speaks to what you talked about during your program today. Uh, the it's like I think like most things, cancer, early detection, anything best outcome is is the earliest possible. Uh, treatment. So that's so important that you leave that as a point of emphasis. Final minute, let me give you a closing comment. Any takeaway that you would like to share on atrial fibrillation? I would say that the the treatment of atrial fibrillation has been, has revolutionized over the past uh, five, six years. And uh, it's very important to, uh, you know, don't rely on the old rich literature and the data from, say, 20, 30 years ago. Uh, nowadays, we emphasize earlier treatment. We have, as I mentioned, ablation. We have watchmen. We have med- newer medication. All of them have improved the outcomes with atrial fibrillation and the uh, outcomes for the patient. So uh, it's very important to revisit that if you had uh, old information that you're sort of relying on and seek, uh, uh, you know, opinions of people who are doing treating this condition uh, with the, the the new information that is available to us. Our guest this half hour has been Dr. Pedram Kazimian from Deborah Heart and Lung Center, cardiac electrophysiologist and the medical director of the clinical research at Deborah Heart and Lung Center to make an appointment two ways. You can call if you'd like 609-621-2080, 609-621-2080 or Use the uh, website demanddebora.org and you'll be prompted. It's very uh, well laid out. It's easily uh, navigatable uh, right from the website demanddebora.org. Dr. Kazemian, uh, I always enjoy our time together. Really important topic and you represented it extraordinarily well. Great to visit with you, sir. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Until we meet again. And when we come back, another special guest. This is an hour of stars. Grace Mositis, who is the reigning Miss Central Jersey, which if you know anything about this, uh, I I don't even know if you're allowed to say pageants anymore. I I love pageants. Um, Miss Central Jersey is a qualifier. So 
Grace is in the big deal, the big show, Miss New Jersey. We're going to be talking about it next. Also, her platform, which is extraordinary. And, Doctor, I'll say goodbye to you off air in just a second. This is Hurley in the Morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5, South Jersey's number one talk station. WPG Talk Radio 95.5, South Jersey's talk station. Sean Hannity this afternoon at 3. Now. Early in the morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. It is 42 minutes past the hour, and we have until Brian Kilmeade. So there's that bonus six minutes built in. So we're not losing any time at all with Grace Mositis. Now, full disclosure, I've known Grace's dad. It's got to be my entire broadcasting career. So over 30 years. So it's possible. Well, it's not possible. It's It's a certainty. I've known Grace's dad before Grace knew her dad. So we go way back. Just want to put that out there, full disclosure. But I would do this interview anyhow. I mean, we have like a standing same time next year appointment where we interview Miss America every year. We interview Miss New Jersey every year. And I love it. This program for its entire length and breadth has supported the Miss America organization. It has supported Miss New Jersey. And we love it. And as I mentioned to Grace off air, one time in in my life, I actually judged a Miss New Jersey, then called pageant qualifier. Uh, so the winner of the pageant that I was one of the judges actually was able to participate like Grace is able to do because Grace is Miss Central Jersey. Um, try I can't remember the pageant that I did. It could have been Miss Ventner, but I don't think it was. Miss Ventner was a pageant uh, Miss New Jersey qualifier then. I think I did something beyond that, but I can't remember. In any event, I loved it, and and I'm a big fan. I love how smart the women are and the talent and everything. So this is going to be really uh, a privilege to um, to welcome Grace to the program, who I have witnessed on a couple of occasions perform, including very near my remote broadcasting booth at the Atlantic City Air Show Thunder Over the Boardwalk, where Grace appeared right before Tony Orlando, and performed the national anthem a couple of years ago, right before the pandemic, and did a beautiful, beautiful rendition. Grace, welcome to the Hurley in the Morning program. How are you? Are you excited? I am so excited. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored to be here. Well, it's an honor. It's it's my honor. So thank you for that. We'll say it's both our honors. Uh, let me give you an opportunity to talk a little bit about yourself give us a little bit of your background and then i want to get into your platform and some of the other things that i know our listeners are going to be blown away and they're not going to be surprised that you are the reigning miss central jersey uh with your pedigree your background and i love i love your um your platform which i can't wait till we get to that but just take a minute or two whatever time you want you need tell us a little bit about yourself Okay, well, my name is Grace Mazitis. I am currently Miss Central Jersey. I live in Linwood, New Jersey, which is about five minutes from Ocean City. Um, I am an education major at the University of Miami with a concentration in special education. This is also my first competition um, to be titled Miss Central Jersey was almost shocking to me because I was very excited to do it and was something that I pushed myself to do. And now I'm in this 
this running for something that is so unbelievably empowering. And I've learned so much about myself. Now, Grace, you do know there are people that go year after year and come close, never make it. You made it right out of the box first time out. Yes, which is unbelievable to say because the girls were so got they were guiding me along the way throughout the day they were encouraging me and telling me it's going to be okay but I really have a lot of my preparation to thank because of my theater experience I have performed at Madison Square Garden Carnegie Hall I've done the anthem for the air show like you said I've done the Yankee Stadium I've done the Philly Stadium I've done a lot in my lifetime, which is a lot to say for a 20-year-old, but it is something that I am very passionate about. Theater has been a huge part of my life. Um, but at the end of the day, it's all about what you make of it. And where it's, I don't know who I would be without it today and where I would be without it today. And now I'm here on your show talking about what I want to do with my life and how I'm going to utilize it in a greater way than just performing. Well, just to be blunt, I think you're exceptional and special. And I can't wait. We're going to do it right now, Grace. And those just joining the program, Grace Mositis, who is the reigning Miss Central Jersey, which is a qualifier for Miss New Jersey. And we'll get to that in a little bit because that's, well, we're in the month of June. Jeez, that's just, it's it's getting close. I know, 18 days. I know, this is amazing. So June 20th through the 25th, we'll get to that. But let's talk about your platform because I've interviewed, as I mentioned, Miss America's every year for many years uh, Miss New Jersey every year for many years. And I listen to all the platforms and the different things. Your platform of integrating the world of musical theater, singing, acting, and dancing into the life of special needs students, I think it is extraordinary. Talk about it. Thank you. So um, a social impact initiative, for those who don't know what that exactly is, it's about taking a platform and trying to make a change within it, to try to make it um, prevalent to the community, to the state, to those who are outside of the state, and to address something and to change it. For me, I have always loved theater, but during my high school years, I, thanks to my dad being a special education teacher, I was able to work one-on-one -on -one with a lot of the kids and create relationships with them. And I really did see through the classes that I took what special needs students took away from theater. Now, I actually work with the Weiss Baron Ryan Acting Studio, which is located in Smithville, and they provide acting and commercial preparation for special needs students. What people really don't know is that a lot of the roles that are on TV or in shows and et cetera, just in the industry in general, they hire people who don't have special needs to play someone with special needs, which is kind of ironic because at the end of the day, how can you teach someone about a disability other than... Right, and why haven't someone acting, pretending uh, when you could do something much more authentic? Let's pick that up right after the break. It's the only break we're going to take, uh, Grace, and we'll be right back. Don't go away. Grace Mositis our reigning Miss Central Jersey, and Grace will be competing. This is very cool because Grace is Miss Central Jersey, but she's right here in Atlanta County. So this is really going to be awesome. 
having Grace represent us at Miss New Jersey, which we will talk about, I promise, uh, a little bit later in, in our interview. We have Grace until the end of the program, which is six minutes past the top of the hour, right until the Brian Kilmeade uh, music opener uh, begins. So we have plenty of time to continue our important discussion with Grace right after this. With Grace Mositis, Miss Central Jersey, I am respectfully yours early in the morning wpg talk radio 95.5 fm and 1450 am wpgg atlantic city wenjhd3 millville a town square media station when natalie was diagnosed with cancer she took control of her health when natalie wanted to help other people with cancer she became a doctor when natalie wanted to make quality care affordable she became a researcher When Natalie's patients needed innovative treatments, she found them. Conquer Cancer supports researchers like Dr. Natalie McKenzie so we can conquer every cancer for every patient everywhere. Cancer research saves lives. Learn more at conquer.org. That's conquer.org. To you, my love, my heart, I surrender just as soon as I deal with yonder fender bender. Because my ice cream truck is the way I make cash. So I'll buy you a ring when I lose this dress rash. Owning a small business isn't always as lovely as it sounds, but at least Progressive Commercial saves you money with personalized discounts. Get a quote in as little as six minutes at progressivecommercial.com. I'm going to make you so happy sometime next year, I hope. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Coverage and discounts not available for all vehicles or states. Policy terms and conditions apply. WPG Talk Radio 95.5. All right, I need my twin brother, Don Hurley, because he coined something many years ago. He said there are only this many things that are amazing. And he said the amazing, amazing grace, of course, uh, which we have on our Newsmaker Hotline, amazing Kreskin amazing Mets. I don't know if there's a fourth. So we have amazing Grace Mositis, the reigning Miss Central Jersey, who will be competing uh, between June 20th and June 25th. So there's a couple nights of preliminaries. And so it goes on for a number of days. So they have to really, um, it's really extraordinary. I'm a big fan and I just love the whole process of, and, and, you're judged during the prelim and, and then you, you get to the, to the point where you're judged again. And it's, it's, I think it builds a lot of, a lot of character. You mentioned something though, Grace, right before the break. Let me rip a headline right from the actual news of the day, because this is good for you as someone that has to answer questions spontaneously and you don't know what the question's going to be. Bradley Cooper. Great actor, really great guy. And for those listening, you will find him at Stephen Cookies in Margate. He'll, he'll pop up in Brigantine. I mean, he's an A-list superstar. He is playing the role of Bernstein in an upcoming movie. The blowback is incredible right now because I know you know this. We live in incredibly uh, ultra-sensitive times. So the big dust-up is... He's wearing a prosthetic nose, so a big nose, if you will. And people are going bananas about that because it's like, hey, what do you, what do you go pick somebody that you've got to add prosthetics to to fake and this and that? Now, it used to be it didn't matter. People got makeup on and could play any type of ethnicity, any race. Well, that was then. This is now. It's not like that anymore. So there's a whole dust up about that. Evidently, he's uh, spectacular in the role. But that's going on. When you mentioned what you mentioned about an actor playing the role 
of a special needs person, it just immediately reminded me about that. So so take it back where you were uh, in your lane with this particular – obviously this uh, is, is a point that fits right within your platform of working with special needs students. I thought you made a really good point right before the break. Continue, please. Yeah, so I mean, I think that a lot of people see others for their disability instead of seeing them for their capabilities. Um, just by being in the high school and by working at the Weiss Baron Ryan Acting Studio, I've actually seen what the theater does for the students. It not only gives them social skills, but it increases their confidence levels. It increases their literacy skills because we give them commercials. We give them these scripts that they're forced to read right then and there. And moments before they step in front of, because we have a camera set up and we set up the whole thing where we say, okay, everybody quiet on set. We're going to get rolling. And we, we allow them to take the second to really get into their own character. But if they have a moment of sadness or frustration and we put them right in front of that camera, it is unbelievable how fast their mood changes. Wow. They love it. They love being in front of the camera. They love being applauded and appreciated by their peers. So in other words, Grace, what you're saying is you don't need an actor to play a special needs role. Uh, you, there are talented people that have special needs that could do that role themselves. Absolutely. But the problem is, it's no one is willing to advocate for them to a certain degree where they get the training that allows them to get to that point and to explore the industry and to put themselves out there. Because there's students at the studio who have actually been in Verizon commercials and Walmart commercials. And for them to be able to say that and see themselves on TV, I mean, as an individual, I would appreciate that and be excited for myself. But for them, it's a whole other level because people are looking at them like, wow, and that's amazing. And we don't appreciate as much. And we, I think we often take it for granted for how capable these individuals really truly are. But we just need to give them a chance. And by putting that especially into the schools and making sure that they have exposure in their daily schedule, it could bring into a whole new industry, like section within the industry of really advocating and bringing inclusivity to them. Is there any I want to make sure we cover, obviously, Miss New Jersey, and I want to leave enough time for that. We've got about seven minutes left in our interview together, Grace. Is there anything more about your volunteer uh, work that you do at the acting school in Smithville that you wanted to share? Well, so we go a lot of the days there's kids. I mean, it's really amazing how the range of age is like it's not just teenagers, but there's individuals who are 35, 40 years old who go there. It really is like a safe place for people. And it takes a certain type of person to participate with them and to guide them. You have to have a lot of patience because no day is the same. And the Weiss Baron studio is absolutely unbelievable. So I think everybody should try to impl- like reach out to them and maybe see what they can offer them as individuals and how they can lend a helping hand. And I think every school should really try to incorporate them in and encourage those students to put themselves in the spotlight and put themselves on the stage and tell them, like, 
you can do this and encourage them because without that encouragement, they won't know that they are capable of doing it. How did this become such a passion for you working with special needs students? So my dad is a very well-rounded human being and working in the high school, I went the same years that he was working and he was working one-on-one with an individual with Down syndrome. And I saw the way he interacted with them. And I saw the connections that my dad had with the students. And it, it really drew me to the field because I saw that accomplishment my dad felt when they reached a new goal and they achieved that new goal. And then the students started to create relationships with me and I started to fall in love with all of them. I mean, I would get, I would get called from the other end of the hallway, like grace, grace. And I would get like bombarded with hugs. And it's just really amazing how an individual appreciates you on a, on an extreme level when you have that connection with them because it's just the simple hug that really does make your day because you know what made theirs. And with COVID-19, I was forced to really take a step back with theater being shut down because that was my original major. And when my dad was home, I was really able to observe my dad with his students. And I was able to see the progress and the hard work and what that feeling of achievement really was for him. And I kind of got that secondhand achievement feeling of being proud of him and proud to see the prog- progression with his students. By the way, had we stayed, quote unquote, normal and not had the shutdown, lockdowns and everything that went on and everything being shut down, uh, that would have been time, quality time that you never would have had. Yeah, and I, I don't think I would have. I would have been at a college doing musical theater and now I'm an education major who is advocating to integrate two of my passions and put them into one and not only make this just a social impact initiative for Miss New Jersey, but a lifelong project of my own that I will carry on with me until I no longer can. Grace, we're down to about three minutes in the program with my regrets because I'm enjoying this immensely. Uh, I want to get two topics in. One, give us a minute or so. We could split it a minute and a half on each. I have two topics I want to cover. Give us a minute and a half or so on winning the title of Miss Central New Jersey. Because obviously, very unlikely to enter first time out of the box and win like that. That must have been extraordinary. Yeah, it was an awesome day. I mean, I didn't, I really did not know what I was getting myself into prior to going to the day, to the competition that day. You have nine minutes and 30 seconds with the judges in a closed room for them to literally ask you anything from A to Z, which is very intimidating because they can ask you what's your favorite dinner to a very serious political topic. They want to know that you are very well educated and well rounded as an individual and especially as a woman. And I didn't really know what to expect, but when they called, the two girls next to me that I actually bonded with throughout the entire day, I was so happy for them. And I was just happy to be on the stage. I was proud of myself for putting myself out there in a new world within the industry and to put myself out there in a way that challenged me as an individual. And when they called my name, I was shocked (laughs) because I was surrounded by girls who have been doing pageants. This was their 13th, 17th, 20th pageant. This is my first. And by the way, I want to mention something that I know you're going to be able to second. 
And that is just from my interviews I've done, my limited experience being a judge in one pageant. The pageant women are very supportive of one another. I think a lot of people out there think it's like dog eat dog or something or whatever. Uh, it's not like that, is it? There, you received tremendous support and then you went and won the whole darn thing. Oh, it was, uh, of course, you look at certain books, TVs, it's, it's painted in a certain way. But when you're actually in the pageant and the competition itself, you really understand what it is all about. And it is nothing like what people project it to be. It is not a beauty competition, but it is more of a competition that is against yourself, not just against the other people. It's how far are you willing to go to challenge yourself, to educate yourself, to put yourself out there under a spotlight, to be, to be judged. And people are going to choose you because you are representing the state. You are representing the, the county, and you are representing yourself. Grace, let me jump in. We have 45 seconds. I don't expect you to reveal anything you don't want to talk about openly, but a general comment on preparing for Miss New Jersey. Oh, it's been a roller coaster with a lot of moments where I had to take deep breaths because, again, I didn't really know what to expect, but I wouldn't change a thing for the world. It has been so fun. It has been so eye-opening, and it has been so rewarding in so many different aspects. And, Grace, I want to wish you well. I, I, I'm rooting for you. I'm just going to say it out loud. I'm rooting for you. I want you to be our Miss New Jersey. And uh, might I earn, when you become Miss New Jersey, might I earn an interview on this program again? I would be happy to be on the program again. Thank you. Wishing you all the best. Say hello to your dad and your family for me. Uh, Congratulations on just being an exceptional young woman.